How long will it take? Well, you must realize it's my busy time. Everybody wants to escape in the good weather. <laughs> In 1942, the Nazis thought they were sitting on top of the world, never suspecting that they could be toppled in one conflict, the most unusual battle of the war. It has been decided that a German national team will play a combined team from the prisoners of war of the occupied territories. That's crazy. Okay, I'm ready to sign up. Sign up, And you ought to be exhibited in Paris like performing fleas. What about me? Get out. A stacked game. The Third Reich's finest against a ragged bunch of prisoners of war. The Germans thought they had it made. They couldn't run about for 90 minutes, they'd be chucking their guts up. Am I good? Or am I good? What's your name? You know my name. I decided to join the team. The American? No. You use that bloody American style again here and you'll be fired. Look, you're playing with a play American. Can you do with your mouth shut? Hey, the mouth and the hands work together, it's a team. The Allied High Command called them crazy, and maybe they were. We want you to contact the resistance for us and arrange the escape of the football team. I don't want to thank you all for your concern, but I'm really not planning on seeing Paris until after the war. Victory, starring Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, Max von Sydow, and introducing Pele. How'd you like to play football against the Germans? Why not? is the time for heroes. Victory. You've never seen anything like it. We always start this off the same way. <laughs> yeah, we're going, rolling. It's happening, and we sing a song. <sighs> well, maybe we should start a little retro with a gift segment. I brought you something. You brought tonight. me something. <laughs> what? There was a period of time where I was gifting you like crazy. Well, that was last summer, though. So well, we're coming into the new summer. Welcome to another exciting, enthralling uh, Saturday night movie sleepovers. Saturday night movie sleepovers. <laughs> I forgot to name it. Show no, I was later. trying to think of more things to to put on the uh, exciting and, and, and interesting and informative and ironic and timely. Well, last summer. That's Blake. I'm Blake, and this is Dion. That's me. And uh, last summer, I had taken a trip home to my mom's house and brought back a bunch of stuff, and we had a show and tell segment. Yeah, basically, you just your mom was like, "Get that rid of this shit," because I'm throwing it out. You're like, I don't want. And so every week, I would present Dion. Sometimes they were gifts. Sometimes they were just show and tell. This is not one of those occasions, but I do have a gift for Dion, and it's kind of related to an, a recent podcast we did. You got me part of the Titanic. <laughs> I got you the next best thing. What's that? I got you a Metal Earth titanic model oh wow this is going to be incredibly hard it's going to be very difficult to put together <laughs> holy crap thank you got me you got me the batmobile i got you, you? The, the 1989 batmobile and i warned you when i gave it to you that it is close to impossible to put together and i think i have i saw these when we went to the star trek thing thank you so much these things are damn near impossible it's basically sheet metal yeah that you that they've that they've kind of like you have to pop it out and then what do you, you don't use glue, right? You just put You're not glue. supposed to use glue, but they, there's these little you pieces. You basically got me the heart. This is like level four. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's historically accurate to the T. Deanna and I both went to a Star Trek convention last year. 
um, not together, but uh, we both went and there was this company called Metal Earth were selling these models. And like Deanne said, they're basically like sheet metal, you know. But they're small. Sheets, you know, maybe. You know, they differ in size depending on the size of the model, but they're not very big. And then, you know, they've kind of cut out the pieces within the sheet metal and then you have to kind of pry them out of them, out of there. And then you put them together, and you're not supposed to need glue. The kind of everything has tabs that you're supposed to bend over and whatnot. And I got a handful of them because there was a deal. If you buy, I don't know, if yeah. you buy like four, you get one free yeah. or some shit. So I bought a bunch, and I bought two of the 1989 Batmobiles. I gave one to Dion. I kept one, uh, and okay. I made the mistake of having the the 1890, 18, uh, the 1989 Batmobile be the first one I put together. Because it is very difficult. Did you buy the, um, <laughs> I the bought Millennium an, Falcon too? I bought a, a, a fairly large Millennium Falcon. Uh, when I say large, I don't know. It's maybe like four inches. That's pretty big though. I mean, you're Compared to the other ones. It's about a matchbox size. Yeah, maybe even a little bit smaller. Uh, so I bought a bunch and the Batmobile was incredibly difficult to put together. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to put the rest of these together. Lo and behold, the Enterprise... The Millennium Falcon, those were much easier to put so you together. So did, you did do them. Yeah. How long all... do they usually take? Because I haven't, not sure, after I heard the story <laughs> of your Batmobile, I just let it sit there. Well, I wasn't working, so I literally just sat there, would watch TV, and put it together. So some of them took me a couple of hours, some of them took me, uh, you know, I split it over uh, two days. Like, the Batmobile was really tough. The Titanic looks like it's going to be pretty difficult. Oh, they got... But we recently did oh, raise t- the yeah. ti- Titanic on the show. And, and we be getting it was old. It was quite timely. I don't know how they're going to make me want to like make funnels, because <laughs> everything's flat. They're flat, and then you have to roll it. Oh, for Christ's sake! So what I will say is, they say you don't need glue, and the, and <laughs> what I say about these things for anybody that's interested in checking them out or or does them, you don't need glue to put them together, but you need glue to if you want them to stay together. <laughs> Because it'll just—it's just like putting a model together. Yeah, and it's like it kind of loosens up the tabs. I mean, and you got to be careful when you do the tabs because you, you can't turn it too, too many much. times. Yeah, it'll, it'll then break. It'll, it'll break off. So, uh, I learned Jesus Christ that you take a little bit of crazy glue and you put a couple of strategic dabs here and there to keep things in line. This thing—I don't know how big you think this is. This is probably going to be about what, maybe like uh, six inches, five inches. Girth? I <laughs> well, I don't know about girth. The shaft, lengthwise. <laughs> yeah, girth isn't six inches. I guess length, the shaft, that wise, is going to be about six inches. This is amazing. This is going to take me all day. But it does look historically accurate with the promenade deck. I did have. I did. Uh, I, I was contemplating. I was like, I don't know when Dion's going to have time to put it together. Maybe I should put it together and then just give him the finished product. And then you take it out. And it's all. <laughs> You, you didn't realize it in your pocket. It just got smashed. It's like, maybe I should put it together, and that way he has a finished this product. This looks like... Because I don't know if we'll ever actually do it. I mean, this looks like you're going to need tweezers. Look how small some of this stuff yeah, is. Yeah, some of the bigger... The bigger, the Millennium Falcon one was like a deluxe big one, and it actually came with tweezers. I mean, this, you have like... Uh, you do need tweezers. You have like uh, boat der- derricks and stuff like that, yeah, like yeah. For, for the lifeboats, and it looks like you have like... Uh, cranes to put like you know to put stuff into the cargo hold but they're very cool if yeah. anybody's you know i actually really enjoy them i just ordered a bunch of them and that's why i got this one <laughs> well this edition is like they've got on the back you've got like a locomotive a steam engine you got an empire state building a windmill a tank a, a biplane and then 
there's the ones you have. Yeah, there's yeah. like they also have buildings. They can get like the Chrysler Center or uh, Chrysler Building or uh, like Big Ben. Yeah. Eiffel Tower. And they must be getting, I guess, franchise rights to get Batmobile, to get Millennium Falcon, Star Trek. Like Those at the pretty... Star Trek convention, which was at the Javits Center. They had like a bird they of were, prey, didn't they? they? Were, yeah, but they were also giving out the Javits Center. Like if you bought... How, why would you put the Javits Center? <laughs> it's a limited edition Javits Center. I guess that's... This is amazing. Thank you, Blake. This is going to take all my Saturday night up now. Or Sunday night, since it's Sunday, Saturday. It's late now. <laughs> it's now Sunday morning. We're going to have to stop down as I put this together. <laughs> So we'll be back we'll in a couple do, minutes. We'll be putting it together while we do the show. Yeah. Oh, just, God damn it. Damn, what are you doing? Pay I attention. I suggest wire cutters. Wire cutters. To get those things out sometimes. Yeah. And tweezers. And I suggest a little crazy glue. Like I said, some strategic dabs here and there. And some patience, handy. right? You're going to suggest some a patience? Lot of, a lot of patience. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. I used to be an avid model maker, and then I stopped in college, and then a couple, I don't know, maybe I guess it's going back now, five or six years, I thought I was going to get back into it. So I bought like... Um, McQueen's uh, Mustang from Bullet and tried to put that together. Boy, was I out of shape <laughs> or out of practice. I was, you know, like, because you got to, cars, you got to watch out because they give you, like, say, the plastic front window. Yeah. But then if your hands are glue, you touch it, you're going to yeah, get your fingerprint like, on it. Like, oh, come on. Yeah. Glue finger. You know, or, you, you know, you're trying to put, like, the, the uh, you know, the rear view mirror on or the side mirror and it's not, it's, and then, it, and, you know, you, you let go and it's it's glued to your finger. And you're like, come on. You yeah, know? yeah. I never, I, w- I loved to put them together, but I was not like a painter. I never painted them. So it was just like, I just had gray models. <laughs> I used to have, yeah, for a while with the Marvel and all the, no, the movie ones, the Horizon and stuff, I had some great so ones. That's why there. I like these. It's because they're just, it's a metal, little metal model. You don't need to paint it. That reminds me, somebody, who's that, Jason, one of our one of our fr- uh, friends, from the, uh, the sleepover friends, he was he was telling me, that I got to take still take pictures. Oh, Ryan? Was maybe? it Ryan? Somebody. I have to take we pictures. Apologize. For yeah, I forget who it was. it was Ryan. Next time I go home, I got to take pictures of all the models I still have um, that are like, you know, my parents put them like in a glass case and now they're just sitting there. And then every time I come home, they've moved them and they don't look good. And I'm trying to put them. I stop touching them. And I'm like, well, then clean them. <laughs> you know, they're all dirty. And, you know, because a lot of dust, you got to get a lot of that canned air to get, get yeah, in there, yeah. you know. But um, it would have been cool if you got me like a little truck. You know, for this cast tonight. Yeah, well, I didn't see a little truck. Yeah. I saw Titanic. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not. God anyway, damn it, not, Dan, yeah. just be grateful. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, gra- not that I'm not grateful. This is amazing. We can do the, we can do reenactments now with the Titanic and see if, you know, we could, you know, we'll get a little tub and see if it sinks the right way or whatever. I don't know if that would work <laughs> with the portholes. I don't think it's airtight. You don't think it's airtight? It'll just take on. Oh, it's not even floating. <laughs> you know, oh. But well, it seemed almost timely. Yeah. Yeah, it was only about a month ago or so. Um, sweet. It, it, this gets into weird, like, what other crazy models we can get each other for that go with casts. <laughs> you know? Like, this one. There's did, a lot of Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Have we done a, we haven't done a Star Trek yet. Or, oh, I guess we did the, the holiday special. The holiday Star special. Wars, yeah. The, 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 uh, the, the only two guys you're ever going to hear who actually loved it. <laughs> the holiday special. It's the only podcast or... Uh, uh, examination, or you know, of of the of the holiday special. That's basically one hundred percent positive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm even thinking about rewatching that bad boy this Christmas. That's how much I enjoyed it. I we'll do another back, one. Yeah, I want to go back. We'll to, do it again this year. Yeah, to be Arthur and uh, Roger Corman, not Roger Corman, Harvey Corman, and, and little Art Carney's house, and that, that was fun. But we're here tonight. Because we got some um, '80s gold, yeah, we're, some we're, splendor. This is going to be 
if we stay on track of what we have planned, it's going to be a very big summer. Though this, this, yeah, yeah, this coming summer because this is this is now um, what is this the the this is the maybe the end of May. End of May. We kind of pick this one for this time of year because end of May, early June is kind of like people are getting out of school. Yeah, and people graduate at the beginning of this one. <laughs> we have uh, Stallone's son, Michael Cutler Hawk, yeah. graduating or end of year. Yeah. Uh, well, he graduated because they all yeah graduated threw their hats up like military military school. junior high maybe. Or, yeah, or, or academy. elementary school or some shit. Anyway, there's some kind of yeah he graduated graduation somewhere. times the end of the year. So we figured it's probably around this time of year that this movie takes place, like an academy. Yeah. And he's 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 graduating, and um, I was surprised to see who that kid was. Oh yeah, you know he was on Taxi, did a lot of voice work. Well, I knew him, I knew his voice, and I'm like, I recognize him, David Mendenhall. Yeah, and he is the voice of Daniel from Transformers, so I knew him from Transformers. The so movie he has appeared. Yeah, on on the cast before. On the cast before, because we did Transformers. There's actually, the movie. a lot of reoccurrences here. Oh, he did a lot of voice work, too. So he did G.I. Joe. He did a whole bunch of stuff in the 80s. He, the kid was getting a crap load of work. And he played, so. if I recall correctly, he played Mary Lou Henner's son on Taxi. And then he appeared in a lot of, like, 80s television. Yeah. It was, as it was, well. He, he must have, if he, if he saved his money pro- appropriately, he could, he could probably do in the convention circuit now because he's, like, 45. You know, he could probably go on there and, you know, be, like, you know, over, he could be signing for over the top. All the Transformers. <laughs> That's true. You know, I mean, he's doing all the, uh, the, 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 he he signed all that Transformers stuff, you know. Yeah, because not only did the, the did the movie, but then he was like he was did the series. He, he was did Daniel the, like, seasons three and four. Or something yeah, like series as well as um, he did some other stuff too. That, that he might have been in GI Joe, but he's a lot of cartoons at that time. As long a lot along with you said a lot of live action stuff. Yeah, but um, did we say we're, what movie we're doing? We're doing week? over the top from yeah. nineteen eighty seven. We're doing the, doing another anniversary, another canon. <laughs> You know, right? Not not just canon in terms of sleepover movie, yeah. But because it is very canon <laughs> to us, C A N N O N. But it is also canon, capital C. Yeah, we're from the from uh, Canon Pictures, Canon Films, or whatever. This or might be the Gollum Globalists, as uh, they like to call themselves. This might be the movie that put them over the edge and, and made them um, over the top, shit the put bed. them over yeah. the top, <laughs> but not in a good way. You know, uh, but you're right. There are a lot of um, reoccurring. Uh, uh, people in this yeah, movie. Yeah, there's a lot of sleepover uh, alumni Alumni here. Uh, well, one, we have M- Manaham Golan. Yeah. Who obviously is the is the Golan from Golan Globus. Uh, we talked about we him talked a about, bunch. We talked about canon a lot with Masters Universe. Yeah. But he, he didn't direct a lot of those movies because he was, there was his, they were his company uh, with Globus, so he was a producer, but he did direct The Apple in 1980, which is Getting a lot of talk these days. Uh, Enter the Ninja, which is a fucking classic from 1981. No, 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 um, no correlation to, to Catch a Ninja. <laughs> no, not no correlation to Catch a Ninja. Your your uh, your movie totally that you're actually negotiating totally the uh, remake rights with right now. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but Delta Force, you directed, Love, yeah. And then uh, it was written by Sterling uh, Silifon. Yeah, who we we did Towering Inferno and who he who wrote Towering Inferno which we did a cast on prior to this but he wrote all kinds of shit from a lot of television including Hitchcock Presents he wrote the original Village of the Damned yeah that's pretty sweet um, In the Heat of the Night yeah the, Poseidon, the movie Poseidon Adventure yeah Shaft in Africa, yep. Towering Inferno, yep. The Enforcer, yep. the That's Swarm, the Eastwood's Enforcer, the the Swarm, yeah, the the, the disaster movie, the Swarm with the bees. I mean, neither wrote or co-wrote. 
yeah. uh, a lot of these movies. And then I think we probably brought it up when we did Towering Inferno. He also wrote, uh, was one of the writers of Circle of Iron, a.k.a. The Silent Flute. Yeah, which from was uh, Carradine. Which is Carradine, but was originally being... Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was an idea that was an idea that Bruce Lee had, and it was something that was going to be one of his, basically his first American film, but then before he even went back to China to do uh, all those films. So in a lot of ways, Sterling Siliphant is a big part of... Uh, sleepover Gold. Sleepover, or even like proto-Sleepover Gold, pre-Sleepover Gold. Yeah, and I'm glad we represented him. We got, yeah, we got him in the, because we talk about him in the Towering Inferno, his career there. Yeah. Um, so you have him as well, and Stallone co-wrote this as well. And we've... Well, yeah, because a lot of what happened is uh, Stallone, uh, especially in the 80s, often would rewrite the scripts. Or at least add stuff to them. Uh, so that happens with First Blood. Like he rewrote First Blood. I mean, I, I mean, I would imagine. I'm sure he rewrote um, First Blood Part Two as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know? he rewrote a lot of stuff. I mean, he was a, he wrote Rocky. I mean, he was he had, he was a reputable screenwriter. Is yeah, yeah, a reputable screener and now a reputable director and obviously actor. Uh, and his screenwriting got him back into kind of like on top with. Uh, Rocky Balboa and Rambo Four and uh, yeah, I don't know if did he write the Expendables. I don't know if he wrote. I think them. he wrote the Expendables. I'm not sure he directed the first one, but he may have. Um, but I think he wrote those. Yeah, uh, Stallone. I mean, in- interesting guy. I'm sure we talk a lot about him when we covered Rocky a couple of years ago for our for a special uh, New Year's cast. Uh, but this was 1987, so this is Stallone at like the height of his popularity in terms of action star, which is really interesting because it's one of the things I like about Stallone. I think we even talk about this a couple of times where it's interesting. These kinds of things show our differences. Like, I'm a Stallone guy. You're a Schwarzenegger guy. I'm a Van Damme guy. You're a Steven Seagal guy. <laughs> You know, we both like the other ones just fine. We don't dislike the other ones, but (laughs) we're in certain camps when it comes to, like, you know, our favorites. And so Sloan is very much uh, a very important figure for me, and I've always really loved Sloan, uh, beginning with the Rockies. And when I was in junior high, I became, I went on, started on a very huge Sloan kick and I started watching all of his movies including stuff like Fist and Lords of, of Flatbush yeah, yeah. Uh, Capone <laughs> Death Race 2000 yeah yeah so like you know Stallone's always been a very uh, big figure for me and what's so the, what's the um the soccer one oh uh God. Victory, victory, yeah. I always get with fist my, and victory with Michael Caine and yeah. Pele, uh, which is a great movie, and that's yeah, one of the things all, I yeah. really like about Stallone. Um, in in some ways, it's similar to what we were talking about with Bruce Willis when we did uh, Fifth Element, when we talked about the Fifth Element, like this kind of respect that when you look back at his at Bruce Willis's choices, especially in the nineties, yeah. You, uh, you start to see, and even up until more recent stuff like Looper, like he makes really interesting choices. And maybe Stallone's choices throughout his career weren't as interesting in, in the same way that Bruce Willis's were, with like working to choosing to work with guys like M. Night Shyamalan when nobody knew who they were, or Quentin Tarantino when he was, you know, making a second movie, or uh, you know, banking on new talent. Yeah, but where he lacks, say, with that, he did. He was picking 
really respectable and he had a great eye for scripts and even if they say don't hold up in retrospect yeah, at the yeah. time they but were, yeah they, you know they the, were all box office gold so he knew what he was doing getting hit after hit yeah Stallone. Stallone, that but what's interesting is Stallone he became known as this action star because of Rambo yeah. really but I mean Rocky is a drama I yeah. mean it's a love story it's a drama and really none it's a of romantic the, comedy I mean none of the Rocky movies are really action movies no um, they're sports dramas. Yeah, yeah. And and then, you know, First Blood came around. And First Blood, in a lot of ways, is still a drama. I mean, yeah. it just has to be, happens to be a lot of action in it. And Stallone has a, has a, you know, he's a physical presence. So he kind of started to get loophole, in the loophole of this action star. But you get to something like over the top. I mean, Cobra, I guess, is an action thriller kind of thing. But then Which you is get, right before this, yeah. But... I guess what I'm getting at is, well, he hit a streak there because he did like First Blood, and then he did like um, Nighthawks is either before or after First Blood, and then he gets into like he's doing a, you know, Rambo Two is there, Cobra's there. Um, I'm sure there's another one, but he's doing these mega hits that are like you know that's solidifying him yeah. on the ground. You know, like Schwarzenegger is coming out with Terminator '84. He's like you know then he starts doing hit after hit, so you have them almost becoming, you know, like opposite ends of a yeah. coin you know so so basically this is 87 like this the streak i can i think kind of starts with like we got rocky four then cobra oh, yeah, you go rocky then four. over the top then rambo three yeah uh tango and cash tango and cash comes shortly after that but reason one of the things i've always really liked about stallone is like th- these choices of doing dramas yeah uh over the top is not an action movie no i mean it's it's, a, a, it's like a it's like a it's almost like a redemption film. It's, it's very... like a weird fam, like family oriented, not in terms of the audience, but in terms of the plot, like oriented sports movie. Well, what's road, your road trip movie? And then shortly after this, he does Lock Up, which is another movie that I absolutely love. That is again not really an action movie. I mean, it's a little bit of a thriller, but it's again like this drama about this guy who. This warden, Donald Sutherland, yeah. has a fucking heart on <laughs> to make his life miserable for some That's reason. another one I have to revisit again. Like, like us revisiting It's this really this week. great. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know a lot of people. Tom Sizemore's in that, right? Tom Sizemore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skinny Tom yeah, really, Sizemore. Yeah, because he's <laughs> young. Slim Tom Sizemore. Donald Sutherland's great in it. Stallone's great in it. There's a great montage where they're putting together a car to uh, the Ides of March's classic, I'm your vehicle, baby. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that montage well in the garage. You know, near the... Yeah. But Over the Top is a very... Even in terms of this, like, spectrum of Stallone movies. Stallonians. Yeah. it's a. This is an odd movie. Well, you know what it is, too, is before we start getting into the movie, his he makes a great choice, I think, in retrospect watching it now. His, the... the, the uh, the decision of how he plays the role, I think, is amazing. How he goes about it because it's very non Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, you know how he how his his portrayal. It's very um, minimal and under. Were in these movies we just cited, you know, he's known as the you know, especially in the Rambo movies, he's screaming and yelling. And well, he's very physical, when he, you know, he doesn't say much, but when he does say stuff in the Rambo movies, that he's pretty. 
you know. Yeah, intense. but I mean, you got like the scenes where he's at, like an M60. He's like, Rrr! you know what I mean? Like you get like a lot of him screaming and yelling. Yeah, yeah. Where this movie, there's no yelling or nothing. He doesn't. Yeah, yeah. His voice doesn't get above a whisper. It's almost like a Clint Eastwood, but he, but not in a way. He's humble. Yeah, yeah. In this movie, he's very just like I just you know. He's very just low key. Probably doesn't. But then you know, of course, in the scenes where he's arm wrestling, there's a little there because yeah, of the physical. Well, I, I think. But he could have played it like you know he screamed you know over the top. Sure, no pun intended. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think his strength, and certainly the thing that kind of uh, made him different than the rest of the '80s action stars, is that, and it, and it stems from I think Rocky, and Rocky I think obviously stems from him, which is like Stallone, like Rocky, is kind of he's all heart. Yeah, and. And I think when he rewrites the things, these these movies that he's doing, like that's the kind of thing that he's putting into it. These moments that, like are... in First Blood, like in the book First Blood, uh, supposedly the character is just he's really just like a killing machine, and that's the way the original script was. And Sloan read the original script. He's like, I love the, I like the book. I love the script. I love the idea. But nobody's gonna give a fuck about him. Yeah. So he rewrote it, made Stallone a little empathetic, made Rambo like a like a, a sympathetic, a, a sympathetic yeah. but also at the same time empathetic. Yeah, like you know, I'm sure yeah, a lot of vets <clears throat> coming back, you know, with the, yeah, you know, Agent Orange and all that, and and, and so he flashbacks. he writes in like this sympathy and empathy for these characters, and I would imagine that that's kind of what he does here. You know, it's funny when Copland came out. Uh, and I feel like we talked about Cop because recently. it came out because we talked about it uh, <laughs> oh, last week in Fifth, Fifth Element. Element yeah. It was out the same summer as '97 as Fifth Element. Um, everybody was like, "Oh my God, Stallone's a good actor!" And I was yeah. like, "Stallone's always been a good actor." <laughs> well, because at the time he was kind of like on a spot. Yeah, know, he, had, he was coming off of like Demolition the, Man and, and like Dread. The special, and, was it the the. Uh, it's specialist, the specialist is and a, uh, assassins. So it's a lot of like, which are all good movies, but they're, they're very yeah. genre. You know, they're all like just throwaway genre pieces to a certain extent. And same thing with Schwarzenegger; he was kind of hitting that. They were kind of drying up in the late nineties. Sure. So when Copland comes out, it's more of a everybody's like, oh my ensemble god. piece. Yeah, everybody's like, oh my god, he can act. It's like, well, you know, like he fucking he gave act, some weight. He yeah. acted his ass off in Rocky. Yeah, he's great in First Blood. Well, all his movies. I mean, I love. I always bring up Oscar. I mean, I think he wrote that himself too. That's just a, a like yeah. a. a, a like kind of like a slapstick comedy that's like a homage to like 30s and 40s like yeah. romantic co- co- uh, comedy films or just co- those comedic films of the day and i think that's great and uh you know i don't I've, i don't think i've ever really seen all the way through stop and my mom will shoot but there's certain movies that he's done that he's really you know he has these little moments yeah. in them that are great and each movie he does you know you may look at it now and say well you know it's it's dated or whatever but at the time he was you know like cobra man that that was the biggest <laughs> thing in the world when it came out yeah, rocky yeah. 2 uh, i'm sorry rambo 2 when that came out in 85 that was freaking um, you know that hit all the yeah, yeah. right cylinders the rockies you know even like you said rocky 5 you said you saw it in the theater and people were up yeah. on, you know in their chairs cheering on their on their feet you know so you being a Stallone fan, what's your history with this movie specifically? Do you remember any kind of backstory with this? I don't. Re- <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't remember like my first viewing of it. Yeah. Um, I remember '87. It what it. I remember it being. You know, like I remember it. Yeah. Um, you know, something we will get to later is kind of the merchandising for this movie in a weird way. But I remember going to uh, in Philadelphia. You had Toys R Us, but you had basically the same thing as Toys R Us was a store called Kitty City. And where it's like 
Toys R Us, the mascot is a giraffe. Kitty City was the mascot was like a giraffe. It was a kangaroo, and like it's. It's pow- the baby in the pouch. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the what yeah. the Australian <laughs> the dingo <laughs> with the Australian name for the baby is. Uh, yeah, and so Kitty City was basically the same thing, same layout as a Toys R Us. But I remember we would my dad would take me to Kitty City. We'd walk around and a lot of seeing a lot of cool things. There's certain things that stick in my mind, like V. Remember, like yeah, the, oh yeah, I remember those toys. That that <laughs> freaking franchise from the from the miniseries and then the television. Which show. again, it's that's another where it's like uh, you, that, you know the alien with the lizard head and it has like a you know has a human head too. I remember seeing that. Never owned it, but I remember seeing. And it. And that's in so the weird. Aisle. Not to go down another path, but that's another thing where it's like that's clearly not a kids show. Yeah, yeah. A- aliens coming over and taking over the world, but they're like, fuck it, we'll make toys out of them. You know, like, and it's like, okay. But that's the same thing with this. Yeah. Is there was figures. There was, there was like G.I. Joe size. Well, they're bigger than G.I. Joe. They're like, I don't know. They were like maybe eight inch. Like Brave Star kind of like size. Six, six to eight inches. Not like. Uh, Not cops. Maybe cop size. Yeah. Maybe a little bit shorter than the cop size. But really detailed. And, and then, I, But I remember also seeing like the table. At the store, wow. which is well, I don't, I don't. In my mind, it was like a whole table, but I think in retrospect, it was just something that you put on your own table. Yeah, and it had like the pads and the handles. Oh, so you're talking about not for the toy size? Yeah, they made they made a full table for the toys for the for the <clears> figures, to but play so on. that like an arm wrestling, so that you and I could arm wrestle. So they made like a kid size. So they're, they're <laughs> like really arm pushing arm wrestling. <laughs> You know, I didn't do it. I remember seeing that and thinking, for some reason, thinking it was really fucking awesome. I didn't do any research. I wanted to look at niche soup. You know, everyone knows, but we you, you say sports movies automatically. You think I think you know baseball and football, and I don't know. Maybe you can second tier is like you know hockey, golf, and yeah, maybe yeah. even like a basketball. But well, basketball I would put top three. You would in terms of popularity, sure. I'm talking about for movie. Oh, uh, for movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, you have like a Rudy for football and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you got baseball and, and football. Yeah, and then you sure. have like you know, then you got like Hoosiers. Yeah, and... there you go, and then you have like um, the bag bagger Vance, whatever that was, the Legend of Yeah. That's yeah. like golf and yeah, or, or tin, tin cup. cup. Yeah. Or you have a slap shot for hockey. I'm sure there's other hockey films, but I was trying to think of like Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Yeah, or or even the Cutting Edge. Yeah, that's more of a figure skating. But it's yeah, hockey. Oh yeah, right. It's ice. But I was trying to. Like, which, by the way, f- directed by Paul Michael Glazer, yeah, who played Starsky and Starsky and Hutch. Oh, Jesus, who oh. would have known? <laughs> and also directed Running Man. Yeah, he directed Modi- Running Man. Yeah, but he also directed. He should have cameo to Running Man. Edge. Why wasn't he cameo to Running yeah, Man? I don't know. I mean, don't I don't think you been... and I knew who he was probably when we saw Running Man when we were little. Yes, so true. Maybe he does. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. We should go back and see. But so, that. Paul Michael Glazer, just throwing yeah. out a little trivia. Yeah. Um, so, because uh, I knew Hutchinson, I forget his name. He was in because I know him. He's yeah. in Salem's Law. Yeah, he's in Max, Max, uh, yeah. Magnum Force and all Soul. that. Yeah, David Soul. Um, but so I was trying to think of like a list of niche sports films that are like this. Like this was like arm wrestling is a niche, but it, they they bring it to like it's like almost the wizard in like 1990 where it's like all of a sudden there's like a you know, video game exhibition. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's like, that'd be a great double feature. Oh, this and that. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, weird tournament. Yeah. Like who knew like in the other side of the Hilton Hotel, they're doing like the wizard, you know, because I don't know. I've only seen that once, but I wonder oh, where I haven't that, seen that in forever. I we'll, wonder we'll, where that we should. That, that we, will definitely. We have to do that. I think everything point. we've said already, we're probably going to do at some point. Yeah, Running yeah. Man, Rambo, <laughs> freaking, you know, all these movies. Um, but Maybe. like we always say, our motto is so many movies, so little time. Yeah. 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 Um, 
but uh, I was trying to think of niche sports movies. Like, what other movies that are just like like Rollerball? You know, it's like what I mean. Yeah, that's a made yeah. up one, but it's yeah. like you know, there's no you know what other. I'm a big fan of. We've discussed this. I don't know if we've discussed it on the show, but you know this about me. Is that you I'm know a, this about me. I'm a big fan of like girl like girl sports movies. Yes. So, uh, but that goes into further into you. You like you have that um, affinity for like. Teen dramas, yeah, like teen melodramas. Yeah. So you're not watching girl sports movies. You're not watching them to like get off on. Like, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I just I happen to really enjoy like Bring It On. Yeah, I think exactly. it's a really fun, entertaining movie. Yeah, uh, Blue Crush, surf movies. I think is, that's in, another. That, yeah, that's in there. Or or <laughs> like, like BMX, North, like North Shore, North Shore, or like remember the BMX in yeah, that movie, yeah. or like the rollers. Like um, yeah. I know like Dogtown and Z Boys, but what I'm sure there's like an 80s. Like in a roller skating movie, yeah. I'm skateboarding. Sol- Solar Babies, which is uh, well, there was there was a couple of those like inline skating movies there for a while. Yeah, those were like rollerblading movies. But I mean, I guess they would have to qualify for them to be like a tournament at the end, like BMX. <laughs> is it BMX? Yeah. Is it? Well, yeah, I don't it, know. I forget the name of that beam, but I thought that they're going to like a tournament at the end. There's some sort of like you I know, know dirt. I mean, I know tournament. BMX Bandits, and that's not that. Maybe no. Rad is like Maybe that. I'm thinking of Rad, then. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, like, uh, so, like, Blue Crush. Uh, so, surf movies. Uh, there's a movie called Stick It with uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Which is actually written by, this. I think, the same person that wrote Bring It On, which is about gymnastics, female gymnastics. What year is that? I don't know. It's around the same time. And what's maybe, Bridges maybe, doing in there? He's like, the, he's like the gymnastics coach. Interesting for for this girl team of gym, gymnasts. Yeah, um, so those are all obviously like really niche kinds of things. Uh, hockey is pretty niche. I mean, you don't have that many hockey movies. No. You got Slapshot. You got Mighty Ducks. You got uh, the eighty. What's the one for the eighties Olympics? With oh Russell. yeah, Miracle Miracles uh, in it. But then you have the one with like Patrick Swayze and Rob Lowe um, that I can't think of the name of at the moment. So there's not a whole lot of. Uh, Hockey movies. There certainly aren't a whole lot of arm wrestling. Movies. No, and this became like for for the niche fan because this is an actual. It's. I mean, they've kind of fabricated a cool runnings. Cool runnings for yeah. That was which is based off a book, which was I think a true story. I, th- I believe based on a true story. You know, the yeah, the Jamaican bobsled team. Uh, but like this, even though they fabricated a tournament and event for this movie, this was actually a real kind of semi. Uh, professional. It's all. It's almost like like bare knuckle brawling. You know, it's like this was something that people did arm wrestling. So, for arm wrestling enthusiasts, this was like their movie. It's like yeah. yes, they finally put pen to page. Well, and here's put the, the screen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there I, are like people. You know, I guess we can. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could talk about the arm wrestling aspect ahead of time here. Um, what's really interesting about this movie is, and and something that I find a little bit confusing is. They basically created a tournament for the movie. Yeah, which is brilliant. Like they, as in, uh, I guess, Canon. Yeah, the guys at Canon. Uh, so the, a lot of the footage, aside from when you see Stallone actually arm wrestling, is all at an actual tournament in Las Vegas. That they that they actually that was the the uh, culmination of this entire year long thing that they put on these exhibit or these qualifiers. The script was written in 1979 originally. Yeah. And then, I guess, didn't get developed or anything until the mid-80s. So, like, 83, 84, 85, Canon decides that they want to make this movie. Yeah. So, they take uh, this guy, I can't remember his name, uh, who's like a, was like a pool <laughs> cleaner. 
clear or something and ask him to develop. Yeah, that was another thing. I didn't understand what qualifications they had. Uh, they grabbed a guy named Marvin uh, Cohen, and uh, that's what, I didn't understand what qualifications he had. to. They, they, they grabbed him to help them make a promotional campaign for this upcoming movie. Yeah, but but, but like as, what, what as far as our research yeah. has shown, like we don't know like like what has he done before that would I mean maybe he was on the maybe he was on the scene. Yeah. Of, you know, because the, the he ended up calling up a girl named um uh Lori what's her face? Uh <laughs> it's, a very, it's a it's a it's a Eastern European name. Yeah Lori what's her face? <laughs> uh he calls up a girl named uh Lori Cole and she at the time owned like a couple uh, auto body shops, but yeah. on but the she side was a, she was she uh, was an arm wrestler. Yeah, and she was winning tournaments and stuff. So they decide. So he calls. So Cannon gets Marvin on board to to help do this promotional campaign. Marvin he, gets Lori on board. Yeah, and he says, "Hey," and then he comes up with this thing. Why don't we do a couple qualifiers? Yeah. To so that they can get real arm wrestlers in to actually do matches, and then with the ending. Uh, going to be a year later. So it took a course of a year. And then the last thing took, they, they did the tournament on July 26, 86, 18 hours in yeah. Vegas. But I, I think also part of this idea of putting up these qualifiers, which is like these smaller tournaments or uh, matches um, was also, I think a part of this idea of like proof of concept ginning up kind of like, which is they, they shot one of them. They wanted to show the footage to Gollum and Globus I think it was part of trying to get the idea of we should, instead of having a bunch of actors do it, like, let's have an actual tournament. And then we'll just shoot around. And we'll tournament. shoot around. So they started <clears throat> doing all the, in, in the domestically. So they started doing, like, these smaller ones, which ended up being the ones that would lead up to the over-the-top yeah. tournament. And um, what I find confusing about the whole thing, I find fascinating that they basically created an arm wrestling, like a professional or semi-professional arm wrestling circuit. Like a league. Lead, in... Leading up to an ultimate championship at this over-the-top tournament. But when you research it, they're all like, oh, so we got this guy who was an arm wrestling champ. Like, champ of what? Like, what? <laughs> well, there must have been other... Um syndicates going or uh, other kind of qualifiers i mean they, they do the first one in 85 in vague uh, in beverly hills and then they do things domestically like new york and like reno and all this and they get so big and then one day Lori's in the elevator with one of either Gollum or globus and they're talking and he goes you know we do have satellite offices all over the world why don't you turn this into a worldwide thing for an Israel, Germany, Canada, uh, England, and they're like, oh, fuck yeah. So all of a sudden now they have these qualifiers all over the entire world that they're flying to, and I guess they're shooting some footage too, but at the same time they wanted to get uh, Golem and Globus to one of them to be able to, since they're directing it, they yeah. have to see the world that they're doing. And at the same time, they're, they're dumping money into uh, smaller competitions all over the country, uh, leagues and groups to get people arm wrestling so that in a year or so when it builds up to this huge uh, over-the-top event that's going to be happening uh, an 18-hour event in the Hilton in Vegas that there'll be like popularity and there'll be kind of buzz about it which is fascinating so they have all these guys come together and they have what four leagues of uh, of ways for people to get in they had like a, a, a truckers and like teamsters league so you had to either be like a trucker or some sort of teamster then you have like a you have to be you can be a pro 
uh, uh, arm wrestling person already, so you must be already on the circuit. Then they had like a women's league, and then they had like a uh, military class. Yeah. And then you know anybody in the service could 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 do it. So I guess <clears throat> the average man couldn't really enter these. I guess. No. Uh, you had to be super heavyweight, so you had to be like a certain size. And then you either had to be a you know a teamster or a trucker or some sort of job like where you're part of a union, or you, or you, the woman things that, that was also part of the league stuff. So you have these four qualifiers, and they had like you think of how many people they were getting because at the at the end of it they said when they got to Vegas for this for this thing in July in '86, this 18 hour event they had like 800 people there. So yeah. they had to then over 18 hours wean it down yeah. to what the it final was like a marathon. Event it started at like one p.m. Yeah, on, on, and ended the next morning. Like so, it literally was like people were just arm wrestling for it to roughly eighteen hours straight. Yeah, in this huge, massive thing that they then you see in the movie that that's what they shot all the the, the footage around. So I think almost ninety percent of all the stuff you see in the movie is real footage, aside yeah. from maybe the stuff Stallone's doing a little bit that was yeah. staged for the for the movie. Yeah, basically, what happened was they shot the entire tournament best they could. So. Like Dion said, almost everything you see in the tournament at the end of the movie is shot actually at the tournament. Including that guy either breaking his arm or separating his elbow, which yeah, is, yeah. oh my <laughs> gosh, it's, it's, it's horrifying. But I guess they had only two or three of those out of the, yeah. that's a pretty good, out of, you know. <laughs> yeah, out of 800? Yeah, two, guy, two or three guys it happened to. <clears throat> and then Stallone came in, well Stallone was there, but Stallone came in to shoot his stuff the next day. Yeah. So everything was still set up. His, but then he, what he, what they would do is they would shoot while they were doing the regular competition. They would have Stallone come up and I think do just some small matches on like a side table while everything else was going in the background. Yeah. But then the big match was was the next day with the same crowd. And um, I'm sure most of those people that were there, if you just said like, and come back tomorrow, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna you're gonna be in a movie with Stallone. Everybody will come back the next day. Uh, the uh, the guy who ended up winning the whole contest, a guy named John Brzenk, B R Z E N K, Brzenk. He was a uh, a union guy. He worked at the time for Delta Airlines, and so he they had an issue. Which we'll post the article link so you can read. It's a really long article. It goes into the to the to the real the 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 weeds about all this stuff. Is like. He, since he worked for Delta, he was going to each qualifier. So he was flying all over the world. So they had to make these rules where if you ranked in the first qualifier in the top four in like Cleveland, you couldn't rank in the top four in Germany. So they'd have all these rules because he was going and winning the prize money to each one and all that kind of thing. So there was all this other thing. So by the time that this guy, John, uh, ends up um, doing the real match that's, that, that the, the movie's based on, it's John uh, against this guy named Ed Arnold. Uh, that was a huge event. And they said that's the only time that like everything stopped down. Stallone attended the event. Stallone comes with Brigitte Nielsen at the time, who was his wife. There's a big standing ovation that Stallone's there to watch the event. And then Chuck Norris comes in because we have the Canon connection. Yeah. And then they said there was another standing ovation for like five minutes because it's 80s and it's Norris. <laughs> and we, we, we yeah. brought Norris up on it. We did the Invasion USA podcast, yeah. which is Canon as well. We go, we'd go into Canon. So, you know, we talk about in that podcast how big Norris was in the 80s. So they come to watch this huge event, and then the actual event ends up, the uh, they actually end up winning a, uh, a Volvo white $250,000 truck, which which is a huge extended sleeper, and that guy ends up winning it, John uh, Berzink. I'm saying his name completely wrong. Sorry, John. Yeah, uh, Berzink. And uh, he ended up just freaking, you know, uh, then the truck went on tour for a year. 
he didn't get it for a year because it had to promote this movie because the movie didn't come out till the to 87 and this is in July of 86. So when he gets the truck he ends up selling it for like I guess 100 like 25 or 35,000 and then he sells the sleeper or the, the maybe the the the, I th- maybe it came with a trailer for thirty five thousand, and then he ends up buying like a like a eighty seven Corvette with it, you know, with the money like that. But um, then there was also problems with Stallone when you when you get into logistics of who Stallone's going to arm wrestle at the time, because there was a real guy named uh, Clive Dean who's in the movie. I think this really massive guy, and he was supposed to be originally the guy that Stallone was going to square off on yeah. to be the like He's the like arch nemesis. Really, he looks like <clears throat> he looks like. Uh, to the blob from, um, from, <laughs> yeah, from Marvel. X-Men. Yeah, X-Men. Yeah, yeah. But you, look, you know what he looks like? He looks like uh, Biff from uh, Back to the Future 2. When he's all heavy? But with like a massive fat suit on. Like prosthetics? Yeah. Like in the future? <laughs> yeah, well like when the he goes... The alternate future. The alternate 85? Yeah, the alternate yeah. 85. Uh, but with like much heavier. I mean, I mean this guy—he's a, a giant guy. And they, at the last minute, they realize, wait a minute, you can't have Stallone, you know, because of the size differential. Because Stallone is like, um, what's, how high is Stallone? Maybe Stallone's like five eight or five nine. I think he's five ten. Is he five ten? And uh, they 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 square these guys up, and it's like you know, they also one they thought it, it was unrealistic for him to actually beat the real champion at the time. Yeah. And then they just thought that it was the proportions didn't look right. So then they tried to get another guy. They brought a professional wrestler in that didn't work he out. He was also like too big or something. Yeah, and he didn't work Which, out. I mean, the guy he ends up wrestling is a monster. I know. Yeah, he's he's amazing. They, they end up. But the Stallone guy ends up says doing. like there's a there's some maybe the guy that win that actually won. There was somebody he compared him to. He's like, I think it's more believable that I could beat this guy, the guy who uh, who does uh, Rick Zemwalt, uh, who plays Bob Bull Hurley. Yeah, Bull Hurley's the guy he ends up fighting. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like, I think it's believable that my character could beat this guy because the guy that actually won the tournament yeah, John could, could, beat, could beat this guy. Yeah. And then they actually, uh, before they end up getting um, that gentleman to play Bull Hurley, they actually think of entertaining for a minute Ox Baker, who we know from uh, Escape from New York. He's the big guy that Kurt Russell fights in the yeah. ring. And that didn't work out either. But it's interesting to think, if you think of what Ox Baker looks like, in Escape from New York and his look in the 80s, which is the same thing with those. Yeah. That's kind of what they have the Bull Hurley kind of look like because yeah. that was the first time they paid the guy Bull Hurley like a shitload like of money. 10 grand or something. Yeah, and it was just for him. To, he was really worried about shaving his head and stuff. So he shaves his head and he grows out his chops and how you see it in the movie. He loved the look so much he kept it for the rest of his life and sadly he passed away um, a couple of years ago. Um but yeah, he ends up being the the heavy in the movie, you know, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's just amazing that the, this world that they actually fabricate this international uh, arm wrestling championship, they actually go around the world and they they do these qualifiers, which are well, like that's the thing is like two hundred two hundred fifty dollars a drop at these things. Well, what's interesting is that it's like they don't fabricate it. Yeah, like it's not fabricated. Well, I mean, they they um, they, they, <laughs> they create, yeah. they fabricate the the events. They 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 yeah. are the the one the linchpin. They create the... basically the tournament in real life, so yeah. that they can film it for the movie. So they end up. It starts as this fictional idea, and then to make that fictional idea become realized in fiction, they end up actually doing it. It's like you know Fitzcarraldo, where it's like it's a movie about a guy trying to bring a. Bring a paddle boat over paddle boat over mountain. They actually so do to it. do that movie, Herzog had to do it. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, 
but it's also a great chance for you. Think about in, in the in in the real world, there must have been millions of, or thousands of of um, what's his name in this movie? Stallone's name. Uh, Hawk. Yeah, there must have been hawks who were truck drivers who they wanted the the point. They wanted a new truck. Say, you know. Yeah. So it was like this is like if that was your hobby, arm wrestling. This was your freaking, you know, your Grand Prix. You know, this is your moment to try to... And I to... would imagine, you know, when he gets challenged in the diner or this truck stop. Yeah. I would imagine that kind of stuff did happen. Well, it was a little... Uh, I think that was a little cinematic at that point. I mean, it was cinematic, but I would imagine that those... Yeah, that stuff that really That arm wrestling for money yeah. happened in dive bars. Or even if you Ro- see, like... Roadhouses. You know, in The Fly. Yeah, he does with that. With Jeff Goldblum when he goes and walking to that bar and there's guys... You know, arm wrestling for the girl at the bar. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, arm wrestling was bigger. And what year is that? That's eighty-seven, right? The fly. I don't know if that's eighty-seven or eighty-six. That might be eighty-six. Well, it's right around there. So that guy was probably on his way to the qualifier and, <laughs> until until he totally busted his arm. Yeah, a compound <laughs> fracture. And then he's not making the qualifier ever again. But that's another thing too. You think about these guys where you know they're they're arm wrestling in a, in a tournament for eighteen hours straight. You know, yeah. can you imagine that you're you know, me and you were on wrestling, and I win. I could tear all my 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 ligaments, but then I still have to do three other rounds to win. Yeah. So it's like there's no respite. <laughs> you yeah, know, they're yeah. just going and going and going. You know, there's no time for relaxation. I mean, sure. I mean, they said in here that it smelled like of all like uh, topical anesthetics. The you know the place sure. and all the different stuff that you know. In, in when you got into that arena, and then they also said that the arena was huge. That the the, that the hotel Hilton had this in, but since there were so many people and these guys they had in there were so massive. Everybody looks so cramped in there. Yeah. But it is amazing to think that the referees, all the other people aside from maybe a select few are all professional, you know, within the circuit or the yeah. um, of arm wrestling. Aside from a, a couple, like, they brought in some wrestlers or people who'd go on to be professional wrestlers to be, like, yeah. other people fighting and stuff like that. So. so now that we started at the end of the movie. Yeah. Now now we got to go back <laughs> to the beginning. <laughs> we got the tournament out of the way. Uh, I read, but I mean, it is kind of like the most interesting thing about the yeah, movie. Yeah, and we, we will post the link. If you go to our Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers uh, website, we always have extras. Uh, we like to call it further reading. And we'll, we'll post this awesome link. It was provided to us by our good friend Brad T, who also provided us with some other stuff we'll talk about near the end of the cast. He's a wealth of information, this kid, and we like to thank him. He's a professional. I don't know if he's a kid. But. Well, I, I know. I call <laughs> Well, we, we said that before where I always call Dan people calls kids. everybody kids. Like, Dan, he's older than we yeah, are. Yeah, but he's just a kid. He's a good kid. Uh, but he also provided us with, with some other information near the end of the cast. He's also a professional trucker. He's a long hauler, I think. Um, and he, he gave us some insight, too, near the end of the cast. But, you know, shout out to him for – I didn't even know that this uh, off arm wrestlers only – uh, it's a blog for arm wrestlers, and you know there was this whole thing about revisiting because last year was the what is that the 30th anniversary maybe mm-hmm. of, of the tournament of the tournament. So that was why this big long article, this retrospective article about the history of it, was written for because a lot of these guys too aren't around anymore because a lot of them are, you know passed away or a various you know, heart attack or other ailments. So you know people are dropping fast from it. So thank you, Brad, and um, good night. Yeah, good night. Good see. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Good night, Gracie. Um, but my history with this is I remember this coming out and I was, I was so into this movie when it came out, like, you know, there's a new movie. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on video. And it's funny that I, when I watched it with you, I hadn't seen this movie probably since I saw it originally on video. And I only remember the beginning and I remember the end. I remember the beginning when he drives the truck to the, to the military school and he picks the kid up. I don't remember any of the middle. 
but then I remember the end, the whole like fourth act with the tournament. That's all very vivid. The guy drinking castor oil. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, all the, those, those great montages of, of the, of the, of the arm wrestling and the, the iconic shots, um, the interviews, which I loved in front of, uh, in front of the truck. I yeah. remember all that it's stuff. It's a great, here's the thing about this movie. And I think a lot of people, uh, present company excluded. Uh, and I mean that with Dion and most likely you, the listener. <laughs> our friend, our first yeah. over family, all of our, all the folks, all of you out here and in the cyber world, uh, sleepover land. I would imagine that this is considered a bad movie, a movie, maybe so bad. It's good type movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't look at it that way. I genuinely really like this movie a lot. Um, so I think a lot of people that are going to look back at this movie uh, in maybe a podcast or articles are going to be slagging it off. Yeah, you know, it might might be having fun. The butter joke, fun at, at this movie's expense. Uh, sure, it's dated. It has issues. I mean, it's not the strongest script of all time. But what you're getting <laughs> to is the is actually the microcosm, or almost like our the um, what do you call that? You know, like. Uh... Jesus Christ, I can't think anymore. Right now, it's our, too yeah. <laughs> It's like our um, our motto. Like, yeah, what, yeah. what do you call that? What, uh, 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 our mission statement. Yeah, You're yeah. getting to almost the point of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers' mission statement. Yeah. Which is, you're saying, even though this movie, all that stuff you just said, to, there's a certain amount of people out there, yeah, yeah. us included, who still, if you look past all that, this is actually a pretty cool... Good movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's something that you and I have said from the beginning, and I don't know if we've said it on the show, but part of, like you said, kind of our mission statement behind the scenes has always been like, every movie is somebody's favorite movie. Yeah. So so we try to show respect to all the movies we talk about. Yeah. And, and most, and, you know... I'd say, and we also do we cover movies that we love on the on yeah. I would the show. say each yeah each movie we do it. You know, one of us is bringing it to the table. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, there, so there's that. But it, it, it's easy to poke fun at a movie like Over the Top. But like other podcasts or yeah, stories, they'll, yeah. they'll pick it and they won't even watch it, and it'll turn into like one of those segments where you get comedians like, and then what's Stallone doing over there? <laughs> so, uh, all this is kind of this preamble up to the fact that. Uh, that fourth act, as you call it, of yeah. the tournament, is actually a pretty great piece of film. It's like gripping. It's there's tension. There's but the 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 interviews going to like a slight do- documentary feel it's out a, of nowhere. Yeah. With it's like it you it's you, very forward thinking. Yeah, like it's, it, it, and you roll with it as a viewer. There's never a moment where you're like, wait, what? And you're, yeah, you're taking and they back. don't ever set it up. No. They just cut to these interviews with the guys next to the truck, and maybe it's because we have a predisposition to sports in general and the way sports are covered within even in a, in a pre-show or post-game scenario. But I agree with you. The interviews with the guys during the tournament, is re- they're really great. And Stallone is great. I mean, they're all great in them, but there is like this all the like amazing slice of reality all of a sudden, yeah. Like where it's not a movie anymore, yeah. Like you see what's on the line for all these people on like uh, on some like subconscious level, and even though you know it's Stallone, Stallone is so like natural and humble, and he's like, well, it's not a you know, I don't care if I am the champion, 
He's like, I need the truck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and all the other guys are great too. And all those episodes, I love. I mean, I only brought it up now because you brought it up. Uh, this idea of the interviews and this tournament. I think it's, you know, you can probably trash talk a lot of uh, canon films as not being, you know, like textbook great. I, examples of filmmaking they're fun a lot, i think a lot of them are really well made you look we're fans and i think everybody that's listening to the show who grew up with them love you know the majority of canon movies you saw yeah. when you were growing you up had, yeah. so there's no knock against them at all i love them as i love a lot of these movies including this movie as much as i would love Fucking Casablanca, you know? Like, yeah, you have to go back to listen to our other, I think, Evasion USA and uh, what was the other one we just did? That Masters was, Universe. Masters Universe, because we really get into, like, you may not know how much your life was influenced by canon. Yeah. I mean, you had all the Bronson movies of the 80s, all the Chuck Norris movies of the 80s. You had the Stallone movie. The, and all. Co- I think Cobra was might have been canon. This one, a lot of the Van Damme movies. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, there's a sizable amount of, of action porn in the 80s that we love like you said delta force that's canon yeah. i mean there's some they were bringing some major actors to the table and doing some really crazy mission all the missing in actions i mean that that was you know a sizable part of our lives growing up but this idea of going from narrative to semi documentary yeah which you, you don't see, see for like another 10 or 15 years which, and it's like you said it's very forward thinking yeah and kind of like a really stroke of real stroke of genius it's like, in yeah, a lot of ways it's like what you see now with reality tv always stopping down and you know so we had to build the truck i wasn't i was skeptical but we got it done in time <laughs> yeah in a way it you is I mean? you go to like the, the quote-unquote like talking head interviews in the middle of a reality tv yeah. show you're right it is very like reality tv and all those guys ways. like you say they all they all come off complete genuine like that one guy like the, i'm a machine and this is the fire plug <laughs> yeah. and i'm going to work with the other guy i think it's the only swear in the movie he goes when i get up there he's like what do you say it's like you have no shit in business being in front of me or something. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. all that stuff. It's like, you know, this movie, watching this, I guarantee I'm going to watch it again now because yeah, I've forgotten yeah. how good it is, yeah. you know, and to, to, to a level. And there's people like uh, our friend Brad who watches this all the time. And I was texting with him yesterday. He's like, I'm going to have to watch that again now because we were talking about yeah, it. Yeah. He's like, you're, you're making me watch this again. And I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know. Well, it's just, it's because then, because as we were talking about before, the tournament is real. So it really does become a documentary. Yeah. Aside from like, you know, Robert Loja wants to see upstairs. <laughs> you know, you get yeah, yeah. you have moments where the narrative kind of creeps back in, and you have the kid and stuff. But uh, really, a really interesting, like you said, forward-thinking piece of uh, kind of cinema, cinema right there. And it's one of the it's one of the great things about this movie. You know, uh, I don't like I said, I don't remember seeing this movie for the first time. I, you know, I went through a Stallone phase. I'm sure I watched it a lot during that phase. I'm sure I saw it before then. Uh, most recently, since the time before this time, before we just watched it, a couple of years ago, uh, my buddy Dave, who uh, gets mentioned frequently on the podcast, who did the uh, Silver Bullet cast with me yeah. a couple of years ago, he had moved to North Carolina. And his brother, Steve, who is the guy that wrote and recorded the theme music that you hear before every episode. Yeah, he's there. That's our theme. He and I took a train to a bus to all, you know, all the way to get to Dave for like a week. We went to visit Dave in North Carolina for a week. We got down there. It was the summer. And I'm not really a beach person. They are. But middle of the summer, hot as balls. It's a beach town. Dave 
we came down, but Dave can't get off of work. So Dave would work all day, and Steve and I would just hang out in Dave's apartment. <laughs> so I brought down a shitload of movies. And so my last recollection of watching this movie is I brought this down. And Steve and I watched Over the Top. And then as the credits were rolling, we got up, grabbed a couple of beers. We went out to the like the patio, you know, had a cigarette, drank some beers, shot the shit. And when we came back in, the DVD had started again. The movie had started over again. Like it didn't, it maybe went to the menu and then the menu started or something. Yeah, like somehow five or 10 minutes, and it'll just start. <laughs> so we walked back in and we're now like 10 minutes into the movie and we sat and we watched the whole thing again. We didn't start it over, but we came in wherever it was, which was not far in. We watched the whole fucking now, movie. Do you remember again. where you were prior? Well, what, when was the last time you saw that prior to this? I don't, I don't remember any specific times watching yeah. it. I know I rented it a lot. I know I had it on VHS. I mean, this was just such a flashback for me because I, I it's such a you know uh, high point of getting it, and it's you know, and then I rem- I guess maybe the middle I thought was boring because I don't yeah. remember it, but yeah. certainly the end, you know, and you know I remember like the road stop scene at the beginning with them fighting him, and then the you know the whole end. So it's like yeah, it's funny what you remember, you know. Yeah, so it's just it was funny because we. And I want to say there's a very good chance that the same thing fucking happened again. We might have watched it three three times in a row, but we definitely watched it two times well, in a row. Drinking a case of beer. In a row. And that's a very fond memory for me. It wasn't even that long ago, but it just goes to show you, like, it's this movie's totally watchable. Yeah. I mean, there's it's uh, it, it's a very fun, and, and it's also a very much like another movie we did on the show, Dutch. Yeah. With, with, oh, Ed, like a, with Ed O'Neill and, and Ethan Embry. So that's like it's that's the alternate universe. That, is that's that. like the comedic version of this movie. Ed O'Neill's picking him up to, to, from the for the boarding school, and then he's gonna have to go arm wrestle. <laughs> and he's like know. a snooty kid, yeah. with like a more down to earth, like you know, every man type of like guy. Uh, and so we should. And it, it's that odd couple relationship. So for the people who don't, trip. who who have never seen this movie, don't remember it. It starts off where Stallone, you know, he he comes to the to the uh, military school, military academy. Where he's his a trucker. Graduated. Pulls up with his truck. He's a long haul trucker. He gets off of a after the, a montage of, of like the credits. Him, him delivering his his load, his load, and and uh, then he's really trying to clean the old truck up. He wants to clean it. And he shaves. And you he's know, brushing his teeth. Looks really presentable. He gets to the academy. He misses. I don't know if he does. I, he must not realize he misses the graduation. Yeah. And then he's walking in, and I find it hilarious when he walks in. It's like you know, like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't understand where it's like he, it's so eighties where he's like you know he to me he just you know, he's not wearing a blazer, but aside from that he no. looks you know I mean, he's, he's got a nice little, jacket he's on. Kind of denim. No, I don't even think he's wearing a jacket. No, he's, he's not wearing a jacket. But, but he's I mean, wearing like a shirt, a nice shirt, half decent. Yeah, you know, he's a very eighties shirt. Yeah, but it's it's a dress shirt. And he's, he's, you know, he's cleaned up. He's Whatever, shaved. He's like, Look at this asshole. Yeah. And there's a big shot of like everybody like, you know, there's, you know, him walking through the, the to the campus. They're like, looking at him like, oh my God, who is that? Who is that? Like, look at him. And then it's like, does, does he see, look that presentable? I could see like when he get when he pulls he gets up out of the truck. truck and he but comes as soon out of the he gets truck, away from the truck. Like, huh? Yeah. But once he's, you're right. Once he's like, he's uh, away from the yeah, truck. hundred yards from the truck. People are nope. still looking at him. <laughs> All these parents are like they're like they're like shielding their kids from them and all this kind of a thing and it's like what? It's like that's that guy from the news. Yeah, it's, it's him. he killed everybody. So he he gets to the then the um, there's a limo waiting for the kid and then right before the kid's about to get in he gets called to like the, the principal's Yo, office. Yo, Cutler. Yeah, and it's like a, this colonel uh, tells him like this is your dad and your your mother is asked and he, the kid Stallone must have brought papers with him. 
yeah. to prove all this legally. You know, he's not. Well, I think the guy also said that the mother called. Yeah, who's Susan Blakely, by the way. She yeah. has a little cameo in the movie, and that, I guess that's another poignant part of this movie. You don't realize what's going on, and what's interesting from the uh, the link we have from the uh, the arm wrestling article is near the end of that article there is a uh, a paper they reprint a a article of the time about the movie, and they talk about in that that he's he's wrestling to save his boy's life, like his boy is sick. So I wonder if that is an earlier version of the script. I wonder if there's a novelization. That should be something we should have looked into to see what the novelization says. Because yeah. if if, it, if they changed it last minute, that if the kid was ill and he was trying to save to save his kid's life, he needed the money or whatever, but whatever I don't know. But what we find out here is that the uh, the mother is dying. She needs a heart transplant, I guess. Some, yeah, I, I mean, thought it, she had cancer, but yeah, it doesn't really. You don't really know what's wrong with her really until you realize that. She's having surgery for her heart later in the movie, but they still don't explain but what, she's in what's a, wrong. She's in a hospital. She's very frail, and she's worked it out where she's, uh, I guess her and Stallone had, had uh, gone their separate ways. Stallone had walked out because of her father, the grandfather, played by, um, what's his name? Robert Loja? Uh Yes. And Robert Loja. Yeah. Do you remember those commercials? No. It was like an orange juice commercial, uh, and it was like a kid... And I remember, unfortunately, I don't remember the concept of the commercial totally. Maybe we can find it online because it's kind of a famous commercial where uh, the kid's like sitting at breakfast or something. And then Robert Loja like bursts in with the orange juice. And the kid's like, Robert Loja. <laughs> no, I don't remember that at all. Have, have we done a Robert Loja movie yet? I don't think we have. Because I don't know how we could have avoided doing a Robert Loja movie yet. Not that I know of. I, I can't think of offhand what he was in that we haven't done. No, I don't think we've done him yet. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to some of his stuff. Yeah, I mean, we'll, have to you know, get, we'll get to more. I mean, you know, how could we not? Big, classic. Big. You know, he's in Scarface, in, uh, Independence Day. He's in, a, he's in a crap load of movies. Yeah. Uh, so he's the grandfather in this movie. He's super rich. And he doesn't want the, his grandson, because he's been raising the grandson, to talk to the father. He's Stallone. got some, yeah. That's another interesting thing about this movie. Is, I think it's a, a class thing, because well, Stallone's yeah. a trucker. There's definitely, there's a class thing, but there's all this backstory. It's very easy to get, uh, have a script get bogged down with trying to explain everything. Yeah. But this movie doesn't do a lot of that. And in a lot of ways, like, I kind of love it. It's like a relief. I love that about this movie. Like you said, we don't really know what's wrong with the mom. We know she's sick. Yeah. That's all we need to know. Yeah. Like, we don't need to know that she's, you know, got four, you know, stage four cancer or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's not important. It's like the MacGuffin. It's what's driving the story is that she's sick. She wants her ex-husband to bring the, bring her son to her so that they can get to know each other because she's sick. Yeah, she may not she's be afraid she's not going to you know, she's not going to be around too much longer. So she's forcing this relationship. Aside from that, there's all these hints that Loja never liked them. No, and he's the reason why they broke Loja up. Loja has lied to the kid about him, about what he did. The kid's like, "Do you still deal drugs?" He's like, "I never like, dealt I don't drugs." Know what to t- I don't know what to tell and, you. And then he, the kid, you, you, your, your grandfather says a lot of shit. That's not true. Yeah. And then you know, when the kid says the beginning, he's like, "Oh, why haven't you ever gotten in communication with me?" And he's like, "I've been writing." What are you talking about? I've been I wrote writing you all the time. Wrote you hundreds of letters, and he's never gotten any one of those letters, which means which that we'll get to that later. I have I have a lot of. Uh, Weird feelings about how that plays out in the movie. But Lozier's been withholding all we, these. We, assume. we have to we assume that Lozier's been trashing all this stuff or whatever. It has not been. Unless delivering. it's the mother. Well, that's the thing. Okay, we can get okay. into it <laughs> if you want. No, let's, we'll pause it. So, so, they get, uh, so, but, so they get into uh, the truck. But my point is there's a lot of really 
interesting things about this about the script in terms of things that don't actually get fully revealed. Yeah, and it's great because you don't need to know. You know that Lotion, you can have these conversations here. Yolosha <laughs> doesn't like him. Okay, and then but then we find out that like Stallone's like in a way it's like okay yeah I, Stallone says the whole time I made a mistake, I left you and your mom, but we find out like. Stolen kind of left because of Loja. Yeah. He's like, you know, you were the one. <laughs> yeah, He's but like, then it's you were like, driving us apart. But the problem is then he left. Yeah. So yeah. that's the other thing, too. He left for these years and he has been writing, but where has he been? He's been trying to make a living in long hauling and stuff, and he's living this life as a trucker. He's, yeah, he's, well, like Stallone Seth. He made him stay. He's snowman from he's Nothing he can do you know? about it yeah. now, but, you know, he's trying like, to make. He wish he could take it back, but he, you know, yeah. he's trying to make the best of the situation. And certainly when. They've had some sort of reconciliation, Stallone and Susan Blakely, because when he's on the phone with her, he's like, "How are you, baby?" So they obviously still love each other. Yeah, it doesn't seem. It doesn't like... seem like they were divorced and he she remarried, yeah. and now they're like, you know, it's your it's your father. I don't even get the sense that maybe it was like there was like a reconciliation. It almost seems like he left. She understood why he left. And that they've been friends ever since. So he writes her all the time. So it's like almost like a you know, because he's got thing. pictures of the kid his whole life. Yeah. So he's, he's like, where'd you get all these pictures? Of oh yeah, inside the cab. Truck? Yeah. He's like, well, I write your mom. I asked him for pictures. Your mom sent me pictures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they start off in the truck. Um, the truck, by the way, is a um, 1967 autocar model A64, and it's funny that it doesn't have a sleeper cab in the back because. Um, you know, a lot of these long haulers, you need a sleeper cab. And I asked our friend Brad about that since he's a trucker. And he says, yeah, that's very unusual that a long hauler wouldn't have a sleeper cab. But he says that could have been maybe commonplace back in the day. Back in the old days, you might not have had sleeper cabs. Yeah, I mean, so, certainly an older truck. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's 67. So yeah. um, we can get, we'll get more about the truck later in the, in the episode. But so he said, usually, you know, nowadays you'll have a sleeper cab unless the company you're working for is going to be put up, putting you up in hotel rooms. And our friend said that he did hurricane relief a couple months ago and he had to uh, sleep in his cu- truck a couple nights. He's like, it's not a pleasant experience sleeping in your truck without a sleeper cab. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Stallone's in an older truck. You know, it, it could very well be the kind of a thing where it's the only truck he could have afforded at the time. It's a 67. It's durable, but it's not top of the line. It's 20 years old when the, when, when the movie's out. And so he could maybe only afford a truck without a sleeper cab, you know? So he gets the kid. They drive, I don't know, a half a mile. And then the kid gets so overwhelmed about what Stallone's telling him. The kid's like, you need to pull over. Uh, I'm going to be sick. And then he gets out and he runs across a freeway. And then I was laughing because nowadays this would look like a child. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. Like, you know, it it gets so, like, people would have been stopping, calling, you know, you know they their were, cell phones. <laughs> yeah, they would have been, they would have been call grabbing it, Stallone. They would have, they would have like tackled Stallone. There would have been this huge international incident. That kid runs across the, the highway. Moves. Stallone runs over and kind of tries to tackle him, basically. And he rips his shirt, uh, rips yeah. his, uh, his, his, his military jacket. I mean, it in does the look like this kidnapped you know, kid trying to get away from a Crazy I mean, the, the 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 cars almost hit into each other on the highway, and the, you know you get a lot of like, "What the hell are you doing? What, what's wrong with you?" And then they just drive <laughs> like away. Yeah, you know, a lot of that kind of thing. There's a, there are other there's subtle things though. Uh, to go into to go back to what you're saying about the way Stallone played this character, like this very uh, empathetic, sympathetic, very low key portrayal, like subtle. But there's just there's little things like he's got a clip-on tie. 
Yeah. Which is like a brilliant little choice. Like he's he's not a sophisticated guy. No. He's a trucker. It would have been like he could. I mean, there's no reason why that character wouldn't know how to tie a tie or not own a t- or get a tie, a Kmart or whatever before yeah. he goes to pick up his son. But the fact that he just like there's just a scene where he's walking back into the truck and he pulls off a clip on tie. It's like cla- like well, it's that a, very such well. A, such a great little touch. It probably goes back in the glove box and that's going to be like if he goes for another interview or something. He has yeah. a clip on tie for like interviews or whatever, you know for trucking interviews or whatever but it's like yeah it's all this little thing I'm just saying there's a lot yeah. of these little well, gems well, that's what this I'm, movie that I think because if you look people at, overlook yeah if you look at like Stallone's other roles around this time to me no pun intended they were over the top and I'm not saying he's overacting they're completely justified but it's good to have a movie like this where he's not doing any of that he's very low key he's much more he's, in the vein of Rocky yeah one and Rocky two uh, he's humble in this movie he's, than he is in you're right in the other movies that he's doing around this time you know because he's playing iconic characters he's playing Cobretti he's playing you know John Rambo he's playing these people that he's you know but uh, in a lot of ways he Rocky is Balboa. Rocky you know in yeah, this in this yeah yeah I mean it's a, it's a sports movie he's a bit of an underdog you, you know you get that that sense I mean he's uh, a working man you know he's, he's definitely probably like, killing himself like, doing these like long blue hauls. collar or, you know, lower class, and especially in comparison to Robert Loge's character yeah. and other people. So, I mean, he is like the normal working guy. And even at the time, he's probably not even, if he's got an auto car that's 20 years old, he doesn't have a top-of-the-line truck. He ain't driving around like a Peterbilt or whatever it was, like Snowman's driving and smoking the Bandit. Yeah, yeah. So maybe this is all, like I said, he can afford. So he maybe he's he's barely get you know keeping money to make ends meet, you know. And so he, you he's know, homeless. He, I mean, apparently, I yeah. Mean, you don't get any sense that he actually owns or rents, you know, like a house, <laughs> like an apartment or anything. Yeah. It seems like this is what he does. He I needs mean, like a little dog, like Fred. <laughs> you know, he needs like a little like hound dog or something. Lee, like, yeah, you know, Lee, you know, this truck is all he really has. Yeah. So when he later sells it to enter to bet on himself, yeah. To it's, let it all ride on himself, it's like he's really betting everything that he has. His, yeah, not his, his livelihood, his, his everything. You know, it's it's like you know, it's the only thing he that we as an audience can put together that he owns. I mean, it's really his only possession. Yeah, it's his entire existence is this truck, and he's gonna all he's gonna let the whole thing ride. And on it's his life. livelihood too. It's not like his house where he's mortgaging yeah, yeah. his house. This truck is the only way he's able to make make meet. more money. Yeah, because he needs it to be able to you know pull some cargo and stuff like that, haul some freight. So um, so then after that, you know, uh, we don't want to go through this beep a beep, but then he calms the kid down. He goes to like a roadhouse. And this is funny in this roadhouse where it's, um, you know, he's like, there's a great place to do steaks down the road. We'll go get something to eat. Stallone says this to the kid. They get to the house. Everybody knows Stallone. And then, you know, while, and then I like how the kid's, you know, the kid's like a smart ass, and he's he, again, he's very over uh, ahead of his time talking about calorie counts, yeah, yeah. and all that, which is like, everybody that works out. You really don't know much about diet, yeah, which is everybody's into today, where he's yeah. like, you know, if you're going to be eating like that, you know, how many calories, a thousand <laughs> you know, calories, fried and, chicken dinner with, <laughs> yeah, with, with, with uh, mashed potatoes, it's gonna be a thousand calories, you know, you need, you need to get something like tuna fish salad, and you know, so I love that that the kid's like, you know, counting calories and all that, and he's being a health nut, and then. Um, Stallone gets egged on to get into that. Yeah. And I love that they come up to him and it's just so like 80s like, and again, go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, one thing I do want to point out, uh, and I don't think it is the same location, but if you look at the diner scene or like the counter and everything, aside from like the second room that they go into, yeah. have the hour, it, to my, in my memory, and I could be completely wrong, it looks exactly like the, like the, the drive-in or the, the truck stop in Duel. 
Okay. That he gets out and he comes in and he's looking and he's looking at all the people that's sitting at the counter like who's the guy who's the trucker? Yeah, try to find out who the guy's following him. And I wonder, I, I don't know now, but that might be an auto car too that the truck and duel. But that's a side. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm probably wrong with that, but yeah. it might be an auto car as well. But then, then all of a sudden he agrees to, and then the kid's like, "What the fuck are you doing? You with me? He's just this. He's got to make time to go to work." Yeah, and this, <laughs> and then we realize that that he isn't making ends meet probably with the truck, so he's. I mean, I'm sure to a certain degree he enjoys it, but he has to go do this side job, which is arm wrestling. Yeah, yeah. You know, supplementing as, his income. Yeah, by doing this, and then it's and suddenly we get into this. All of a sudden, this truck stop. Everybody stops what they're doing, and then they they queue up that there's two lines on either side. I love it. And then all of a sudden, it's like he's entering a ring, and you're going down, <laughs> and people there's money being thrown around. There's people <laughs> screaming, and a bunch yelling. of Asian guys. Yeah, there's he's like Tiki Mao, Mao, Tiki Mao, two bullets, Tiki Mao. People are smoking, taking bets. You know. And there's people there was I love there was like screaming and they're like you know like the one guy like tell him smash it like people like yelling and screaming and yelling and a lot of the ADR in this movie yeah. is pretty oh, great it's it's, like it's, the, it's comic gold just like the voices that you hear in the background of what's going on like there's a lot of people like, yeah do it yeah fuck them you know and then like I, they walk up to the table and then the guy he's about to arm wrestle there's another thing that happens in this movie where he's getting slapped repeatedly yeah and I guess um, we have the uh, Lori uh, Cole who's the real professional female arm uh, wrestler and they who talk we, who we mentioned earlier from this article for this that article we're, that we're post and on she, I think she has a couple cameos she might be the female arm wrestler you see in the movie later on at the tournament she talks about that that you know before she arm wrestles somebody that's what they would do they would like the, the they would take a stick and like beat it over your back and then they'd slap the shit out of your face and that would get you just pumped up I guess because yeah. To get into the to, to the to the ins and outs of this, I had met a guy uh, um, at a bar one night, Rudy's in New Haven, and I was talking to this guy, and we were kind of drunk, and he told me he's a prof- professional arm wrestler, and he was my age, and he was still he was my physique, and I quickly realized it's not really about muscle so much; it's about your forearm strength yeah. and your you know your uh, biceps, but it's all about technique technique and timing and mind over matter it's all about you having to psych yourself up and they talk about it again in this article that when you get into the zone you have to mentally prepare that okay i'm gonna do this and it's you know it's all it's really a head game of you have to psych these people out you know that's why you get like i i, I love when these people are like you know yelling at them like you're mine <laughs> you're mine you know? well yeah i mean that's you know, what, it's I mean, like it's all the, the way in a lot of i mean that's why in competitive sports, and especially competitive sports, but especially the ones like boxing, yeah, and, wrestling, and you know, obviously professional wrestling, but you know, like the amateur Olympic wrestling or uh, mixed martial arts. I mean, that's why a lot of these guys do that because if you for one second feel like you could lose, it could sway the whole thing. Like you could, and uh, and you spend a lot of this time, tra- you know, obviously not arm wrestling, but. Things like boxing, when you have trainers and stuff, they sit there and they feed you this all the time. You're the best. You're the champ. You know, yeah. because you, you can't have, have you can't game. have d- doubt in your yeah. mind. So it so at one point to me, it is unbelievable for for Stallone of a, of a smaller stature to be going up against some of these guys. But on the other hand, it is kind of believable because it doesn't really matter about size. It just you have to know. You know, it's like a martial art. If you know how to throw a guy, it doesn't matter how big you are. You just yeah. use that guy's power against him. So it is a matter of being able to get somebody off guard or using your whole body instead of just your arm, you know. It's also a little bit of there's that in the re- in the realistic world of, of what you're talking about. But in terms of like the cinematic dramatic world yeah. of what we're talking about, having Stallone play that character is 
kind of a brilliant stroke of casting in that as a viewer, we, we have a predisposition of having Stallone be the underdog rising to the occasion. It's like when, uh, we, you know, we haven't done it on the show yet. And I know this one we will get to at some point because a movie that you and I both have a huge affinity and love for is the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. And I always talk about, like, the casting of Leonard Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy and that character Brilliant. is amazing. Yeah. Because we are, because of the Spock connection, and we don't, we'll get into that later. Yeah. But sometimes casting is everything. And I'm not saying casting is everything in this movie, but it certainly helps as a viewer that we can ex- we can extend our disbelief a little bit yeah. to say like okay we you Stallone can overcome not just Lincoln Hawk but Stallone can overcome these impossible odds. I mean even we've seen him do it before we talked about the guy that they were going to pair him up with the guy named Clive um I forget the gentleman's last name uh, maybe Clive Dean I mean how big he was but in real life the guy who Stallone kind of modeled his character off during this time period of Hawk uh, John uh, Brzezek, who ended up winning the contest, doesn't look very much different physique-wise than Stallone. Yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of like a sinewy kind of a guy that's just jacked, but he doesn't look like uh, Lou Ferrigno, or he's not as big as these other guys yeah. that we see in the movie. So it is semi-believable for him, on the other hand, to be able to do this feat as long as it's all mine. It's like this. That's the other thing I always remember from this movie growing up is it's like a turn of the hat. Yeah, yeah, you know, I always remember well, him he, turning that hat. Well, that's the that's another instance that interview with Stallone where he he, he lets you in near the end of what him psyching himself. But up. he's also so natural in that scene. He's like, I don't know, it's like I have another. There's another person. Yeah, <laughs> like just his performance in in those interviews is great. Um, so they uh, Gollum and Glotus hounded him for how many years for a long time to, to be in a movie and to, to, to do this movie I guess is, is Cobra canon I don't remember I believe Cobra is canon he set up a, there was a deal where he did a couple of canon movies and I yeah. think Cobra was one of them so they, been, they were asking him to do this movie for, and finally he said yes I'll do it because he thought nobody would see it and they paid him like a reported 12 million dollars which, which was for like 1986 is ridiculous yeah, like 87 was a lot of money I think he might have been the most uh, you know at that time maybe to that date the most paid actor for a role and i mean the the film's budget ended up being um something like uh 25 million and 12 of that went to stallone's uh, thing as well as you think about how much money they were dropping on all these exhibitions so which we could talk about uh a lot of things that i think critics at the time kind of trashed this movie for was the amount of product placement yeah and come to Lo and behold, a reason why a lot of this product placement exists is because that's largely how they actually paid for a lot of the tournaments that we and were talking qualifiers. about earlier. Yeah. The qualifiers. And All then, of the world. And then the, and then the ultimate over the top is that's why there's so much product placement. Just like Sports Day. If you watch a hockey game, you're going to see all along the boards of the hockey rink. Yeah. You know, uh, signs for, as well as baseball. Now you have yeah, those it's all behind over. the dugout. Everything's uh, product plate. Uh, home plate. You have all those things turning. Uh, NASCAR. Yeah, they're just moving billboards. Yeah, there's both they're, the person in the car. cars. Yeah, <laughs> in the cars. So they, that's why there's so much like like Alcacel. So there's a lot of product placement. Budweiser, especially inside the tournament, but even outside the tournaments, because that's how they paid to have the tournaments exist in the first place was through all the sponsorship, yeah. which ends up in the within the concept of the movie being product placement. And not only were these companies uh, motivated to sponsor these events because of the events, 
they were motivated to sponsor the events because of the possible product placement within the movie. Yeah, and it kind of uh, sometimes looks realistic where you have him hauling brute or other things, you know, or so it is, it's not completely out of the norm because he's a trucker, say, you do have, you know, these are the items he's bringing, or when you get to Vegas, you know, there's scenes when they're at the tournament and the kid's running away from the bodyguards at the end, you know, he runs into like a hall, and that's kind of realistic where there's a Duracell, you know, um, little uh, kiosk set up or all these different things because of where they are in Vegas. So it becomes realistic. So, you know, we, we first see him do this match at this truck stop and he wins the match and it's, it's you know, and it gives you kind of a setup of what this world is like. And then we first meet um, Bull Hurley comes out of the, out of the yeah, other side. What like, you doing with that guy? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know what was going to happen to the kid. Yeah. You know, but then, then it's like Hurley, he already, Stallone must be known not only as a legendary trucker. And they but know each other. Yeah, they, he must be known on the circuit as a really good arm wrestler yeah. because Hurley's like, and I feel that's a little like, uh, shitty for him to want to challenge him right then because he could. He, I just, he just did it. I just did it. You know how do you know I'm gonna? <laughs> like, you you're fresh. I just had an arm wrestling yeah. match three minutes ago. And then you want me to? And he's like, "We'll wait for Vegas. We'll wait for Vegas." And the guy's like, "You're a put." He's like, "So too bad." What did you say to his son? He's like, "Too bad your dad's yellow." And he yeah. walks away and it's like, "My dad ain't yellow. He just did it." <laughs> you know, give him a couple of minutes to fucking yeah, calm down. Yeah, my my look Relax. at this. I, it's all unconscious movement. My muscles are just going so. Uh, then we leave and they have the first night they're driving and it's like they stop and they're like we should stop for the night and they're, you know, they're going to go like, to bed together the hotel? and he's like no we're going to sleep in the cab and then I found that uh, again it's, it gets to the aspect of nowadays looking at a movie from you know with, with the sadly people uh, our mindset today where it's very it becomes really weird where he's like you can use my uh you know, my arm if you want Oh, to. I didn't see. I didn't you know, read any of that. Because it's, for me, it's like, it's like, it's the whole Burton or anything nowadays or Abbott and Costello where like, yeah. you know, two guys can't live together because it's gay. And it's like, mm -hmm. why can't two heterosexuals just, you know, like in the old days, people, you know, if you yeah. couldn't afford anything. You, you'd rent a room case, together. I, I mean, I, I, I got it during the, when he runs across the highway we were talking about yeah. earlier. But I, I mean, I can see where you're, I can see it's, that. It was, it was a little, it, but I, for me know, it was like. You can come over here if you want to. And it's like, he's like, I don't want, you know, and he's yeah, like, you can use my arm. To me, it was just like this guy. Yeah. Just trying to bond with his kid. Yeah. He wants yeah. his kid to And then it was, him. but it was really cute because then in, in the next morning, <laughs> it's like Stallone's leaning on the kid, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's like, oh. Which again was like a nice little. Yeah. I could it, see Stallone But it's just, it, the... it's sad the overtones today, people will look at that with a skewed kind of a lens. You assholes. Yeah, you know, why can't you just look at anything innocently? He's Stallone, for Christ's sake. <laughs> so then we, we, we start to get the other aspects of the movie where we learn about um, the grandfather. The grandfather doesn't like him. He's trying to get the kid back. He's like, why did you let the kid go with the father? I'm going to tell the board of, at the school and you're going to be fucked. And then, like, he's talking to the mother and the mother's like, you know, I just want to get the kid back because I'm dying and they need to have time together. And, uh... They finally, they bond because the, the Stallone lets him drive the truck, which is hilarious. His little scene where, you know, he, he, lets, the, he lets the kid take the truck out on the road. <laughs> he's not even at a parking lot. And the kid's shifting gears. He's gear shifting. Yeah. And he's putting the hammer to the floor. And then that's a great montage. And then we get to like, I, I don't know how you would look at acts in this movie, but they bond and then they get to the hospital and they come to find out the mother, she passed away like the day before. Well, there's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's other bonding things. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so they do bond. They finally get to the hospital. And you're right. Then they find out that the they, were they fucking around a little bit too, and that's where the kid was like, "If I weren't fucking around with you the day before, you know, <laughs> fucking well, I don't know if they were really fucking." I thought they around. were. Well, then you also see like the, the morning. I of think them, he was just like, "Had I just taken a fucking plane, yeah, I would have got here in, in yeah. time." Yeah, because if you look at uh, what's his face in it, he's 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 flying. He's there where the he, one, the first scene he's at. 
he's he's home, and then the next scene he's at the the the, the military academy. Yeah, the next scene he's at the yeah. hospital, so he's he's jet set. Probably taking you a know, It's just like a, a two hour flight, probably. Yeah, but it ends up being like two or three days. It's supposed to be in Cal- uh, Colorado where he's picking them up from, and I think he's going to maybe I forget where they're and ultimately like going Cal- to. Seems like California, but they 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 shot it the the scenes in California, the the cadet stuff. So uh, then you also get a bit about like the morning when they wake up. Um, you see like. Uh, a little of Stallone's routine where he's working out in front of the truck. You know, yeah. that's how he's able to stay fit. And then they also have the, he has this great thing set up into, in the truck where he's able to work out his right arm all the time. He's got like a weight yeah, that yeah. he's worked up in the truck, which is really cool. And this is how he keeps his arm fit while he's driving. It also helps the monotony of it, I guess yeah. with the radio. But, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we do get to, we, they actually do a pretty good job of setting up one, the world that Stallone lives in the world that this movie's taking place in the connection of how a boy and his father that he's never known really can bond within a couple of days. I don't think it ever feels totally forced. Like it seems realistic, you know, maybe not realistic, but it seems believable. You can definitely go with it as a viewer. Of course. But yeah, when we get to like the big turning point of the movie, it's like Dion said, they, we get to the hospital. We find out that the mother died. Yeah, Susan Blakely's passed away. The and the before. kid runs away. He gets so upset. He's like, I could have took a fucking plane and got yeah, here. Yeah, he's like, I was, like you said, I'm fucking been dicking around with you yeah. for two days. I could have got to see my mom before she died. Yeah. And it is fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Um, and it's I mean, also heartbreaking for Stallone. Stallone's reaction yeah. to like when the doctor tells him is great. I mean, it's all like in the, in the eyes. And then it's because he, he processes it. He processes it processes it himself and then realizes that like the kid has to process it. Yeah. So it's like he has to he's shocked by it and he has that initial reaction that he would have from it because clearly he, he didn't leave this woman because he didn't love her. Yeah. Um, and that they've had some kind of relationship over the years and then he realizes like oh fuck the kid and then the, you see the kid react the kid runs out he's got to run after the kid again and then the kid's good in this scene. No, he's good in the whole movie, I think. You know, but that's probably because they got a great kid. We talked about um, a couple weeks ago uh, with something that uh, the kid was the linchpin in the movie. Uh, you know, if you didn't get a good kid to, to do the role, the movie would have been terrible. Yeah, and this yeah. is a thing here where he's a seasoned actor. He's a character actor, the kid. Getting all this voice work. So he's used to, like, you know, uh, emoting properly. So... He hits all the right stops in this. He runs away from Stone. He gets into the he gets into the <laughs> grandfather's. Limo. I mean, no, he just no, he gets into a cab. Oh, he just takes off <laughs> and he goes to the grandfather's. Some house. cab driver's like, "All right, I'll take you wherever you're going." Uh, and then, um, but it's a great dramatic scene. Yeah, and then he leaves Stallone, and Stallone's like heartbroken. And then Stallone goes to um, to see the kid, right? And the yeah. kid, and they, they're like, "No, you, we won't, uh, we won't let you see him." He, he at goes the gate. To the, at the, the big mansion, and the mansion is also the mansion that doubled for the Clampets in um in the show Beverly Hills. Yeah, which is cr- pretty cool for those people. Uh, Texas T. Yeah, black. It, oh. It's the Beverly Hills uh, house from the Beverly Hills Billies, Beverly Hills Billies. Uh, so um, and then they won't they won't let him in. And that bodyguard, there's two bodyguards in the movie. Uh, that are what's his face is the grandfather's bodyguards and one of them with the mustache. He's very he's in everything. Yeah, yeah he's, he's in there's everything. so many of these people. I think in this he was movie. in Hard Target. Yeah, he's probably you know he's just he's one of those guys that was a, like a stuntman actor that was in every movie that yeah. we grew up. And he's watching. the guy that at the end Stallone pushes when they're in the um, the presidential suite in Vegas. He pushes them. Through no, him. that's uh, Terry Funk. Okay, that's the one I'm saying that he he I see him and Terry Funk's inside the house when he gets there. The guy at the gate. 
is another guy with a mustache that is totally so recognizable. Is he the day. same guy that's that's running after the kid at the end in in the uh, you know when he sees the kid? There's the the one actor when when the kid comes into the tournament and he's kind of he's like dad, and then the guy runs in and sees him. That guy's in everything. Yeah, yeah. That that heavier guy with the mustache. Yeah, yeah. Out. He's in. That's the guy at, the, at okay. the gate. Yeah, Terry Funk was a professional wrestler. Yeah. who's in some stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. The I only recognize. thing my my biggest memory of Terry Funk is if you watch that documentary that was made now fucking 15 17 years ago oh, the, the mat by on the mat or Beyond whatever the mat, yeah. um and it follows like jake the snake roberts and through his like crack addiction and uh terry funk is in i believe it's terry funk he's in that and there's, there's a scene where he's in the doctors and the doctor's like you have no cartilage in between like in your knees like i don't even know how you can walk. oh my god I haven't seen that movie in so many years but so there's a lot of people you see that are there's, yeah you, know, you recognize little, them you know there's, there's another guy that's like, I recognize a taller guy who's like olive skinned with a mustache and he's in a couple Italian mob movies. He might be like in uh, Bronx Tale or something. He's one of those like guys. Um, so they won't let Stallone in see the kid. So Stallone's like, all right, I'll be back. And Stallone takes his auto... Uh, car and just smashes right through the fucking gate, goes over the freaking fountain. Yeah, like he really just needed to go through the gate. Yeah, but he, he just keeps going, takes <laughs> out the takes out the fountain, fountain and then he and he rams it into the front door. Of the yeah, house. and he probably messes the whole front of the foundation of the house up. That's going to cost a lot of fucking money. I mean, it's not a car; you have a freaking semi that you, yeah, you know you can afford it. And then he comes in, and then you know he's tackled, and uh, the kid sees it, and the cops Mike. come. Yeah, and, and it's all uh, the, you know they arrest him, and he goes to jail and. Then, you know, that montage, you're right to remain silent. So then they bring him into the police station. Then it's like another low point where he's like stuck in jail. He's lost his his, his estranged wife that he was trying to get back. He's lost his kid. And then um, Lozier's uh, uh, manservant assistant comes and is like, listen, you know, we'll drop all charges. If you if you sign away your rights to the kid, you know, we want, the, we want to raise the kid. Well, that's the thing is... The Stallone's key, like, no, I won't. As the father, even though Loja was the one that raised him, as his actual biological father, he... The next to kin. Yeah, like, he actually has custody when the mother dies yeah. of him. So Loja doesn't want him to have custody. So they make the basically this bargain. Like, Well, you, at you, first he won't do it, but then, then he's like, well... He's, the kid doesn't want to see either, and he brings the kid in. And he's yeah, like, uh, Mike, are you sure? You know, yeah, yeah. The and he's like, does. "Fuck you." <laughs> no, the kid is more I, I, sympathetic. Yeah, he's very that. sympathetic. Yeah, he, the kid's actually not mad at him. Yeah, he's just like I just don't like this is the world I know. Like I don't. What are you gonna? What are we gonna do? Like, you don't even have a house. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like where like, you're sleeping in your truck the rest of your life. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, uh, I guess you're right." There's a lot of really good things about this movie. I understand, but that gets sad though because then you start thinking, and then so for me. Stallone understands the kid. He's like, you know, you're right. What do I have going for me? You, you'd be raised much better with your grandfather. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Stallone. Ultimately, I don't think Stallone doesn't sign over custody for his own benefit to get out of jail and to, to so they won't press charges on like the he, damage. That's not his. Like re- that. He it's that the kid makes sense. Stallone's like wants he wants what's best for his son, and even though he wants to be with his son. Like, I think he, he recognizes that, you know, one, the kid's right. Two, if the kid doesn't want to come with me, like, You're I can't not gonna force him. I can't force him. And he he's not that have, kind of a guy. And he will have a better life with Loja. You know, unfortunately, it's like if he was with what Loja doesn't understand is that if the kid went with Stallone, he wouldn't be cut out of Loja's life. 
Yeah, like I don't, a, I don't think Stallone would have been like, you can't see your grandfather anymore. But if Lozier, the kid, go, I think, looks but if at the, it like, but if the kid goes with Loja, there's no way Stallone's ever going to see him. Again. And I think Loja looks at it like he's looking at it like that. The kid's a paycheck for him. For yeah. some reason, he thinks the guy's like a uh, Stallone's like a gold, a gold digger. Yeah, you know, he's like because he says that to him later. He's like, you know, you think he's going to be a, you know, he's your silver, whatever, your whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He's like, your, he's your meal ticket. He's, yeah, you think yeah. he's going to be your fucking meal ticket? Well, he is. You know, I'm giving you know, this whole new soul. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of prejudging here. Loja shouldn't be judging fucking, so hard. Fuck Loja <laughs> in yeah, this movie. Yeah, calm down, Blake. He's getting up. Uh, so Stallone, uh, despicable. Stallone ends up like you're right. Signs the the stuff away, and then he luckily is able to get his truck back, and his truck's all banged up. And then there's like that part where Stallone leaves, and he's back on the road, and he's just working at his 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 arm thing in the truck, and like you feel so bad for him because. If anybody else was in that situation, like we can think of ourselves in that, it's like so devastating that you lost your your estranged wife, you lost your son, you have nothing going for you now. You're only going to this tournament just to try to get a new truck and to make it. You know, he has to f- then hawk the truck to get the money to to, 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 to bet on himself to win. You yeah. know, he has he has nothing, but he still it's the Rocky mentality where he's not going to give up. You know, he went, well, yeah, he, he could be his truck, but he also has dreams with like the hundred thousand dollars, like starting his own trucking business. So that maybe he doesn't have to drive all the time. <laughs> yeah, but he's like, you know, he's not he's not going getting hammered in a bar. No, no, no. You know, I mean, woe is me, that kind of a thing. His like eyes I, on the prize. You know, he needs, he has to keep focused no matter how horrible. He just lost his wife. He just lost his son. You and know. That's, that's the thing. It's like we see that he goes to the funeral. He's clearly not welcomed. But then there's this scene after the, I believe it's after the funeral where like the sun's setting and he's parked next to the water and he's just like sitting on the back of the truck. Yeah, thinking. And if you look, it's like, man, you're getting pretty close to the edge there. <laughs> Because like the you know the back of the truck has the back wheels are the back truck has the you know two wheels in the front and then four wheels in the back yeah the the back two wheels are over the ledge of like this concrete <laughs> they're like they're not on ground they're hanging over <laughs> this truck's just gonna top maybe we're maybe we're thinking that maybe he's thinking you know who knows maybe it's the best way out you know I was, looking, I I was like know. Jesus Christ you know we didn't think we didn't bring up was there isn't uh, a really uh, nice action sequence where he's talking to the well susan blakely's still alive on the phone and uh the son goes outside he gets kidnapped it's this it's the scene where the the grandfather lozier's trying to get the 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 kid back so they kidnap him in a van and stallone goes after him in the truck and it's a great scene but i was thinking while we're watching it it's all photographed really well but like i was wondering if the truck would be able to catch up with the car and they end up doing it but again nowadays if you had a freaking semi going after a car, going off the cross lanes of traffic, cuts, goes on the wrong lane, goes into an, you know, it goes into, and then they end up crashing in like an auto body. Yeah. It yeah. looks like the the back, you know, they, they total like five or six cars, <laughs> you know, and a doom buggy, which yeah, the kid yeah. referenced before. It's like, and even though the Stallone's in the right because they tried to kidnap my son, but it's like you hear the ambu- you hear the police coming. I would think that they'd be stuck there for a couple days. Yeah, yeah. He's got to get his truck out of there. He's I gotta, think those all- trucks are... I mean, those trucks without hauling anything, because I don't think he was hauling anything at that point. It no, was no he wasn't. Cab. It was just a cab. So, I mean, I think it's totally believable that he could. I mean, those things. Oh, those are whole ass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once he gets up, yeah. I'm like sure 50, he's got like, like a the other guy's a straight driving away. like a V4. Or like yeah, that. I mean, he was like in a big pickup or something, and, and yeah, once Stallone gets that thing up into like the tenth or eleventh gear. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It is. It's a. You know, it's an. It's a. It's a great crazy. action sequence. I'm a sucker. 
for I've always said I'm a sucker for trucks, and that's why I have an affinity for like. Yeah, when we did Smokey and the Bandit, Dion revealed that when he was little, that's all. Yeah, he um, wanted to be a trucker. Yeah, when I'm like five, I was like, I want to be when I grow up. I want to. So I was going. You were going to the library and photocopying werewolves. I was going to the library <laughs> and photocopying like Mac and Peterbilt trucks. Speaking you of know. werewolves, quick shout out to uh, uh, Rick Zem- Zemwalt who played uh, Bull Hurley. We're talking yeah. about he after he this after this. He he's the main uh, antagonist in terms of the wrestling world, arm wrestling world in this movie. After this, he went on to act in other things, a lot of television stuff, including your werewolf an show? episode of werewolf. Nice. <laughs> Look at it, it all comes around at us. It's, uh, all, this this podcast is connected to everything. Uh, yeah, he he was great. He ended up passing away, but that was he had a big career after this, and he kept the look that he. It's like Telly Savall shaving his head. I mean, the for, biggest thing he did was uh, he was one of, pilot. He was one of Penguin's. Uh, henchman in Batman Returns. Oh, he's the guy he that was like Penguin... The, he was like the, the strong man of the circus. You're right. I forgot about that. I mean, that's like the biggest thing he did. The rest was a lot of television, 80s television. Yeah, which he was he was probably very memorable looking at him and yeah, like, you know, yeah. but it's sadly forgettable. But so, I, yeah, so the truck... So I I have a huge affinity for seeing trucks like like remember Terminator Two when he when T one thousand jumps in that cab and goes after uh, John Connor like I love sequences yeah. like that. <laughs> what the hell is that? Uh, oh, it's me. Trucks, <laughs> trucks, Mack trucks. Oh, it's a Peterbilt. <laughs> oh, it's a Freightliner. Oh, yeah. yeah, trucks. But yeah, what are you doing over there? Nothing. I'm, I'm tired now. <laughs> Um, this is getting dirty. So I love that sequence of the truck going after. But you're right; he probably could catch up with him. And he, but it's funny that they're just you know the '80s mentality where yeah. who cares who they end up hurting to get get in the way. But it's, it's yeah. You know, well, <laughs> the fact that he's like, what the hell? Like to, after because the, the kid, truck crosses four lanes of yeah, traffic, yeah. goes into incoming traffic, and there's you know it's all those people in the '80s who just. Their cars swerve out of the way. They look, and then they just drive away. <laughs> no, no, no one stops. It's the eighties. No one stops. They, you know, they all like you know they hit into each other. There's all you know uh, big collisions and uh, fender benders, and they just it all drive away. Every day. Yeah. In the, back in those days, yeah. Uh, the, you know, the, for me, like the, the big, the f- kind of funny thing about that scene is after he gets the kid back and he's yelling to the guy, "You tell him he's coming with me. I'm not giving him up." Kind of thing. And the kid's like, "Who the hell are those guys?" He's like, "You better ask your grandfather about that." He's like, "All right." <laughs> Yeah, he, he wasn't even. He wasn't even. Didn't even care at the time. Because like, yeah, okay. Um, even though he was just kidnapped. I, yeah, you would have thought that they would have been a little. Uh, and that's a weird thing. Your grandfather's like, listen, I'm getting you into, uh, you know, it's kidnapping bit, and it's a federal offense because they cross state lines. Well, you know that, but that came. That scene must have come about either as part of another <clears throat> bigger storyline that kind of. I think it was probably just got abandoned, to have or. A, Somebody was like, "We need something happening. Yeah. We need like some kind of action." Stallone's sequence. driving a fucking cab. Let's have him have a sequence where he drives a, like a little chase. You know, somebody's like, "Yeah, Gollum or Glow is like, just have him have the kid get kidnapped, and he's got to go after." Yeah, the he's kid. gonna just slam. He's gonna t-bone. He's gonna do a freaking you know uh, a pit maneuver. So I, I like that sequence. So we get to the point where he's completely dejected Stallone, and he goes to the he gets to Vegas. He sells his baby the truck for seven grand. He goes, he bets on himself, he enters the qualify, and then we have this great montage at the end where we just talked about. Well, it. we have before that, we have the scene where okay, after so, the funeral, the kid's like, I don't know why he's looking around. I guess he, he goes, told them he wrote letters. Yeah. So he's looks to be snooping. In my recollection. So we have a montage of Stallone's by himself in Vegas. He sells the thing. He's getting ready. He's he's doing the qualifying matches. And then on the, and then we have, meanwhile, yeah. in, in the in the, uh, the Beverly At Hills Robert Hotel. Loge's house. <laughs> meanwhile, in Beverly Hills, <laughs> it's 
by Ted Knight. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Beverly Hills, uh, and we have uh, the Hall of Justice. The kids snooping through his mother's hat boxes. So the kids are going through his mom's room looking for. So his mom must have that. So this is where I get this. Yeah, this is, okay, is where this it is gets where confusing. Getting. So this is what you brought up before that we're touching on now yeah, about yeah. the notes. Cir- circling back around here. Okay. Um, Stallone had brought up before that he wrote the kid. The kids yeah. that I never saw. The anything. kids like I've been writing your mom. He's like, well, you've been writing your mom so much. My mom so much. Why don't you fucking write me? Yeah. You, <laughs> and the kids well, like, what are you, t- Mike? What are you saying? Yeah. You don't know me. You don't know me. You ain't bad. You He's ain't like, I'm saying you never wrote me, asshole. He's like, no, I wrote you all on your birthdays every day. I wrote you all the time. Uh, so, yeah, Mikey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Mr. Roberts. So we uh, we have this montage. So this is in the kid's head, obviously. The kid's looking through the mom's stuff or something. Yeah. So he find, ends up finding all these letters. Yeah, like a shoebox or a hat box. Yeah, it was, yeah or like it was pulls them out of like handbags or something that were hidden away in a drawer. At first we start seeing it's addressed to the mom. and Then, yeah, yeah. then we, there's we like ass- one letter addressed to Mike. Well, I would assume maybe when the kid got old enough. Yeah, Stallone's gonna start now. He's old enough to read. I'll start addressing him. So then he starts seeing Mike, and then he pulls the mic out. Yeah, yeah. and he starts, and it's all like very... because it's, because that's where it gets a little confusing. And it's my recollection of the movie is that like fucking Loja's been hiding. It was one of those like weird movie, you know, uh, cliches where like Loja's been withholding the letters the whole time. Yeah, but like. He didn't just throw them away. He's keeping them for some reason so that the kid can find them and fucking hate his grandfather. But that's not it at all. That's not my my memory of this movie was completely wrong. It wasn't Loja hiding the letters, presumably, unless there are all these other letters, because really you only see evidence of one letter if you really look at it carefully. But like, wait, the mom's withholding the letters? Susan Blakely's the one that because they were in her closet. Yeah, were, yeah. Like, so she, wait, so the mom's not giving them letters? Like, what? Yeah, so that's yeah. It's a little, there's a little. So then, weird so then that's why, like, there, that's... what's his face? Like, I'm not the bad guy, <laughs> you know, because you know, at the end of it, he kind of does. We when so we're near the end of the finale. You know, uh, Stallone gets through the qualifiers. He's like in the top four, top eight. Yeah, and then well, anyway, I mean, before we get to the... no, I'm not getting to that. I'm just saying. Yeah, so yeah. he so the bodyguard comes down. What's his face and says, "Hey, uh, Funk." Yeah. yeah, he says, "What's his face wants to see you." Uh, yeah, Loja wants, wants to see you for the presidential suite. He goes, I'll, "I'll go." He goes upstairs, and when they go out on the balcony, uh, that's when you realize Loja isn't really a bad guy. He's like, "Listen, you know, we don't have to be enemies." And Stolz, like, "That's what I've been fucking saying <laughs> for fucking 13 years. Yeah. I've been telling you this. That happened two weeks ago." And he says, "He says the well, that's uh, what." Yeah, it also reveals it's like, "Well, you ran out on the kid." He's like, "You, you was, you, yeah, you did it. Yeah, you yeah, did like, it. You were tearing us apart." Yeah, and then he said, "Yeah, he's like, I kept crying up. You kept pulling me back in." <laughs> Uh, yeah. He's got a great ass, and you have your head <laughs> way up in it. <laughs> when I think of women's asses, it's just, just it becomes played by Pacino. <laughs> it's two Pacinos arguing yeah. in a car. It? That was always our joke. It was it was going to be Pacinos. In a, uh, we're going to have a movie where dueling Pacinos, yeah, in a road trip car. Hoo ah, I'm reloaded. Okay, come on in here, motherfuckers. Um, so you realize Loja isn't that bad of a guy because he says, hey, come look over the edge and he pushes him. <laughs> Put down there. Look closer. Hey, there's no beer in here, man. Just stick down your head down a little more. <laughs> stick your head down a little more. Don't worry. And then he slits his throat. He goes, your boss is dead and so are you. 
that's the end of it. That's that's how it ended. Then there's no tournament. Oh, man. Uh, but he looks down and he's off the rails. There's a truck down there, and it's, a, it's it looks like, like even you see a, that truck over there yeah. in the distance. He's like, you see that one? No, 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 not that one. The other one. That one. That one over there. No, 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 not that one. No, 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 no. Right to right, right. Where, where? You see the woman here? See the pool? Past her. Where? Pa- see the pool? Past her. Over here. You see the sign? The flaming? I don't, I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> like a little. Okay, look. Okay, you see the you see the Sabaro okay, sign. Okay, twelve o'clock. Yeah. One o'clock. <laughs> right there. You see? Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I got oh, you. Yeah, yeah okay. okay. So he says that truck could be yours with the cab, and it's it's like it's worth this truck that he can win is a two hundred fifty thousand. That truck's like five hundred thousand. He's like, here's the truck. Here's the title. And he says something like, uh, I forget. And he gives him $500,000. Yeah, and he's like, he's like you know, and then he says to him, like, you know, you want the kid to be your meal ticket the entire life? I'm giving you a meal ticket right now. And you think about it, I'm sure in a lot of situations, if this was in real life, there would probably be parents. Uh, what did I just freaking watch? I just watched that... Um, the uh, Khalif Browder story that happened, the real life thing that we, we talked about a couple weeks ago, our friend was a uh, producer of, but this really happened where the father was nowhere in the kid's life, but then after the kid passes away, the, the father comes in and tries to get part of the estate. So I could see that, yeah, maybe if Stallone was a douche, he was riding the kid for a meal ticket because the kid's connected to the grandfather's family. Yeah. And that could have been a real concern, but he's like, no, I don't, I want to have the kid in my life. I don't need your money. And this is the reason why I'm doing this tournament. So you kind of you you kind of understand what, where Lozier was coming from. Yeah, but I mean, I, uh, you know, it's, the problem is, it's what I like about the movies that we don't get a lot of backstory. But it's also in a in a way, in like in this scene, maybe detracts a little bit from Lozier. It doesn't give as you know, like we don't know really what the backstory is. Yeah, we get the sense that Lozier never liked them. Probably was against the marriage to begin with. I'm sure it was a class thing too. You Why are you marrying a fucking trucker when yeah, you yeah. could marry, you know, some? And we get the guy. sense that maybe that was lo- that was Loja that maybe kind of drove Stallone to finally just fucking give up and leave. Um, but yeah, I mean, totally. You can you can get that Loja made of all along. I mean, he's, I mean, like you know, Stallone says to to the kid, he says, you know, like you know, a lot of shit that your grandfather says about me isn't true, or something to that effect. Uh, so we don't really know the story, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. No, I mean, we get that. Uh, we said Stallone kind of plays this character. Uh, I was going to say brilliantly. I don't think brilliantly is the word, but. Uh, very nuanced. Well, you know, it, it's he gives a really great performance, and in typical Stallone fashion, we have a lot of empathy and a lot of sympathy for him. Um, that, in a lot of ways, is, is Stallone's biggest strength. I was saying that he has heart, but part of that heart that that he brings to these characters is why we connect with him as uh, as an audience member so strongly. In a way that I feel like a lot of the quote unquote action guys of his generation we don't connect with in the same way. I'm not going to say that we don't connect with them as much. We just don't connect with Chuck Norris or Van Damme or Steven Seagal or even Schwarzenegger or Bruce Willis in the same kind of way, for me anyway, yeah. that you connect with Stallone in a lot of these Well, I feel ways. like it's a, it's a combination of how they present themselves. We certainly know in Stallone's upbringing, the, the, in the hard time he got to getting into the film business and having to sell his dog because he couldn't feed it and then sleeping in like in the in the um, Port Authority in New York City because he didn't have a place to sleep and just trying to make it and finally when he made it with the Rocky so you understand that he actually he yeah. was that guy trying to he was Rocky he was a uh, hawk here yeah, yeah. trying to become that guy where 
he beca- he then on the screen he echoes that underdog brilliantly. But then you look at like say a guy like Schwarzenegger who kind of what he came from a different fucking country in the yeah, mil- yeah. in the military there, and he did the same kind of rise that you know he had impossible odds came here became a millionaire in real real estate before he even started acting but it's the way he carries himself still now that's not making comments it's also the way one. they're written and i think the fact that stallone rewrites a lot of yeah to movies. have that where, where Schwarzenegger comes off like he he you like him maybe because he has such an ego and that's not a judgment on him it's just that i think but even in a movie like commando not so yeah, much yeah but he has a bravado or like yeah, a yeah. tough guy he's where also he's cool. like more than human yeah physically. So, so it's hard to... But I can't really see... I don't remember off the top of my head, at least, a movie where, you know, you kind of feel sorry for Schwarzenegger's per se. Like, and maybe there is later in life. There's, you know, like the recent movies he's been doing. But a lot yeah. of the times he was just like a... He's a super soldier who's going to fuck shit up or he's a robot. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's, again, I'm not in any way... No, the, it's just a judgment call. It's just a different character. Yeah, and like, same thing with a Norris. Norris is just a no-nonsense no guy who doesn't like to be fucked with. And when he gets fucked with, he kills everybody. <laughs> You know, same with Seagal or Bronson, Bronson, you know, so you don't really have the, you know, I mean, you get like with a Bronson, maybe the reason in that movie why he's doing this, but it's brilliant how Stallone will set these narratives up so that, yeah, you feel like he is representing the trucker in the world, the boxer in the world, the the little guy, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, it's part of that kind of like that predisposition I was talking about as an audience because he's rocky to us. Yeah. He'll always, be, I mean, no matter what he's playing, sure, like he became Rambo to us too. But I think as an audience member, as spe- well, especially then, yeah, uh, Stone will always be Rocky. To but us. what's brilliant in this movie is you're not saying it's him just playing Rocky in this movie. No, no, he's you know? not. But yeah, it's the same feelings you yeah, emotes that it, you, that it, it generates. Yeah, and I think when he rewrites these scripts for himself. Often he's writing to his strengths. He knows he's a smart guy. I think that's the other thing that I don't think a lot of people give him credit for. Yeah, is that he's extremely well read, extremely well educated. He's a really great director. It's weird you see guys like that. You have like I don't mean to cut you off, but you have a Schwarzenegger who you know smart because he he you know he he made millions of real real estate. Very savvy business. Yeah, Uh, different kind of smarts than Stallone. You know, Eastwood knowing how to you know he's the one knowing Japanese cinema in the '60s to go do fistful of dollars and you know in the jazz and then was early on wanting to direct and get into that realm you have these people who they they come across like these like a like a one maybe they're just like a uh a, like a genre guy or an action star but in real life they're actually pretty nuanced yeah, yeah. to a certain extent you know i mean it's i guess with seagal or van damme those guys when you get into them maybe they have other things going on but sure. certain like the big guys like a, like yeah. a Stallone Eastwood Schwarzenegger where it's like, or maybe even Bronson where it's like they're making great choices and you know they're using you know they're playing to their strengths and they're not just these yeah. idiots with guns you know and I find that fascinating especially like a Stallone here you know where he's doing these kind of movies like no none of the period action stars could have played this part and I think the and have this movie be successful. You might have been able to have like, I don't know, more like actory. You more could have people. Maybe had that, it, Eastwood do it in the seventies. You know, yeah, like, like around like uh, yeah. Any I, mean, which I think way he would have been too old for it. Yeah, at this point. But I mean, in terms of like that time period, you could have had maybe. Uh, maybe Bruce Willis. Maybe I don't know. people that you know that were more more known for acting and less for acting. Supposedly, this part. if they didn't get Stallone for this, they were looking at Don Johnson, and he was coming off the heels of uh, Miami Vice, and it's notorious that Don Johnson's a real, uh, I guess, kind of an asshole. If yeah. you want to say it nicely, back then. yeah. 
that he was really difficult to work with. He doesn't really care that much about his fans. I mean, we did Don Johnson. He was in G.I. Joe, the movie, uh, the animated movie that we did a podcast on and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it would have been quite different because, I mean, he's probably a built guy or just sinewy, but he is no way like the physique. So it would have been a completely different movie having him in it. And so you're right. I don't know who you could have gotten. You probably could have found somebody comparable to do it in this movie, but it might not have gone over as well. Yeah, I just don't think it would have had the kind of gravitas if yeah. you can even use that word to describe this movie. I mean you know you think about it like probably like in the 60s you could probably you if, if you do reimaginations you probably could have had like a sweet Charles Bronson doing this yeah because Bronson's like jacked yeah. and then in the 70s maybe you get Eastwood but it's like it's you know you th- it's th- those are reimaginations I can completely see Bronson in the 50s like being a trucker and yeah, you know, yeah. but at the time period yes the, but there is a weight that Stallone brings to it that I don't think a lot of other actors in the mid eighties could have brought to that part and be believable yeah. as an arm wrestler. And not trucker. just be it be an action movie. Yeah. Because yeah. you could have got a guy in to do it that would have been comparable and realistic, but they might not have been able to bring the emotional the the uh thespian aspect of actually you caring for him as opposed yeah, yeah. to just being like I mean, a, I, th- I think the a cardboard I think why out. why this movie gets busted on probably is because it's a very strange concept. This idea of like, that's this, the allure. this custody battle with the backdrop of a, a arm wrestling competition <laughs> is a very odd pitch. Yeah. Um, and probably couldn't have existed <laughs> in a lot of eras it other, may, yeah, other than this time. You may period. not ever get it again and it may not have ever been happened. I, I think we just made some uh, good cases for it being like in the 60s or 70s, but now yeah. it's just, it's such an odd movie to try to say remake this or because. I think it would have been a lot darker. Like Stallone talks about after seeing this movie, he would have made it a little darker. He would have. Yeah, well, he was a director at that point, yeah. too. So he, he had said, you know, we would have. And that would have been interesting to have it be a little darker with undertones of, he says, like, you know, because a lot of people criticize this for being just a bona fide um, music video because yeah, there's yeah. so much pop music of the era in it, which is, I think, one of its strengths. I mean, you look at like a movie at the same time, Top Gun. Sure. Top Gun is a music video too, as well for all those you know dangers and all those yeah. movies. Well, you know, I mean, all those songs. Soundtracks were a big deal in the eighties. Yeah, I and mean, they were always a big deal. But there was like eighties. You got like Cocktail, <laughs> yeah, Color of Money. You have all those kind. Of, oh, that's another uh, movie niche sport. Yeah, pool, billiard, yeah, yeah. billiard player. You know, um, so. You, you get yeah, you got a lot of movies at the time that are coming out with huge soundtracks. Even like Karate Kid had a pretty big soundtrack. Yeah, uh, sixteen, not sixteen candles. Uh, Breakfast, Breakfast Club. Club you know, yeah. you have all. So you have a lot of soundtracks are big. Uh, you know, you have like you know Michael Jackson's doing Thriller and Bad and stuff like that. So, uh, but the, the the other funny thing about this movie, since we're on the topic of music, uh, not to interrupt, but no, the, no, but no. the score itself itself is uh, done by uh, a, a composer named. Giorgio. Giorgio Moroder, who was a big pioneer in electronic music um, in like the 70s and then into the 80s. But then he did uh, Midnight Express, which I think he might have won the Academy Award for uh, in 78. Cat People in in 82. Then he did Flashdance, Scarface, DC Cab. And he may be the guy that is in the Daft Punk album recently. Yeah, he might have been. They taught, they do a song for him on the last uh, Daft Punk album, and then he uh, he also scored a movie that is one of my brother's favorite movies. Who he's been kind of begging me for us to do the Richard Dreyfus movie Let It Ride from 1989. Okay, <laughs> Rodder also scored that. Um, but what's interesting about his movie is that like in this movie is that like the movie really has like one theme. It's just played. A, 
bunch this, of different ways. This movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> over the time. There's really only like one theme melodically. And then it's just presented in a million different ways throughout the movie, which is kind of just really interesting. Well, they, that's, that's what they kind of do in a lot of movies. And then you have that even, score and, and they then rearrange the, it And then even like the pop song, and you know, even there's even like a pop song in it, one of the main pop songs, and it has like that melody as well. Yeah. Because um, it keeps, they do that with a lot of times when they score a movie, they'll have somebody's theme and then they do different arrangements yeah, of it. Well, so. like, uh, for instance, uh, but even in terms of carrying it over into a pop song, like... Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, with the Brian Adams song. Yeah, I was like a perfect is a perfect example of uh, of taking the the melodic theme from the from the themes of the of the orchestral score and working it into a pop song. Yeah, um, and then since we're on the the um, topic of songs in the movie, you had um, the they ended up using in it. Um, <coughs> what's the heck did the story here with uh, Sammy Hagar? They brought him in. They had the guy from. Um, you have Frank Stallone on the album. Yeah. Uh, well, Sly's brother. Frank made his way into a lot of Stallone yeah, movies. He, he, he was a singer and stuff like that. And he cameos. We, we brought him up in Tombstone. He's, he's at the beginning of Tombstone. He's in Rocky as, as, the, as the singer. As the singer. Uh, like doo-wop singer on the corner. Uh, we have Kenny Loggins in this. You have Eddie Money shows up. We have John Whedon. And we have Sammy Hagar here. So John Whedon, W-E-T-T-O-N. He, at the time, was the uh, lead singer of Asia, and he sings... And Asia has a song on that. Yeah, he sings Winner Takes All, but then they thought his vocals on it weren't as uh, ballsy enough or manly yeah. enough, so they get Sammy Hagar to re-record it. He re-records it, but at the time, Sammy Hart- Hagar, his um, you know then bandmate was Eddie Van yeah, Halen. Yeah, by then he's in Van Halen. So yeah. Eddie Van Halen's on this on the soundtrack because he's on that song. Uh, and then um, Asia is credited with the track Gypsy Soul, but... Oh, Whedon's the only member of Asia who's actually in the group singing the song. Yeah. And uh, there's weird things going on with this, with the soundtrack because then internationally, uh, like certain songs only show up in the international cuts or something like that. Uh, lastly, since we're, we're on the soundtracks we're talking here, Salone appears in the video winner takes all wrestling Hagar. And then they said at the end of the... the, the um, Hagar talks about at the end of that shooting, Stallone gave him his hat. They both signed it and they auctioned it off for charity and it's fetched like $10,000, which is pretty cool. So somebody's got that hat in the world that they they uh, did it. But that was one of the the, the gripes about this movie, that it's basically a, a, a two-hour, an hour-and-a-half <laughs> music video, which yeah, I don't... Yeah. But I don't agree with Especially because... Especially for the time period. Yeah, because we just cited a half a dozen other movies that the same thing's going on, but people like them better, yeah. you know... But I understand what Stallone is saying, that if he had done it, he would have scored a little more of it, yeah. not have it be pop song after pop song, and made it a little darker where, yeah. you know, the... Just take off some of the sheen of the movie. Yeah. Because some you, of that 80s sheen. Yeah. <laughs> the, because uh, you look at the certain, the, the road stop aspects of it and the trucks, I mean, there's a, you could have had a really kind of a darker element Slightly going grittier, on, you know, yeah. which would have been interesting for him to explore at yeah. the time. So... Um, Let's see, uh, you know, they also talk about script changes. The uh, A lot of people doing the script saying that, you know, they thought it wasn't as dumb as the final movie turned out to be, which I don't agree with. They thought, you know, it, the original uh, scripts were a little darker. Uh-huh. So maybe they just made it a little more mainstream uh, canon to, to get it out there. Uh, and then, like we said, there's a lot of, like, um, different actual arm wrestles in it that showed up. You know, uh, we said Clive Dean. uh a whole bunch of people show up in the movie that, you know, if, if you're in the wrestling world, Alan Fisher, John Brzezik, we keep m- mentioning. Um, and there's a great documentary called uh, Pulling John 2009 about, I think, uh, 
John Berzik, and they talk. He talks about in that documentary him working on this film. So if you yeah. want to go check out a good documentary on uh, arm wrestling, and then this, go check out that <laughs> 2009 doc called Pumping <clears throat> Pulling John. Um, so yeah, so then the movie ends up coming out, and uh, it ends up only taking in. It comes out fourth uh, that weekend. It comes in number four behind. Uh, let's see what what else was out at the time that thing. It, it ends up uh, fourth on the weekend behind Mannequin, Outrageous Fortune, and Platoon. That's a hard weekend. Some big hitters, you know, for that time period, especially. And then it ends up taking in. Uh, we said it cost. Um, let's see, twenty five million to make, and it only takes in sixteen million uh, U.S. box office. I'm sure it made a little more money all around the world because it had a bigger appeal. You know, of yeah. Course well, there Stallone. was even that period we were talking about with Stallone, with the Demolition Man, Assassins, all that stuff. There was this big question of like, at that point, Stallone was still one of the highest paid stars in Hollywood and but his movies like Demolition Man Judge Dredd those they didn't actually didn't do that well over here so everybody was like why is he still getting paid that much money but it was because those movies were fucking doing gangbusters worldwide yeah Yeah. like he was a big box office seller yeah around the world even though his movies weren't really hits here they were all everywhere else yeah he was kind of going down slightly in, in the late 90s into the 2000s he did that what's the um, race car movie he did with oh, yeah. For- Fortune Five Formula Five Hundred. Yeah, um, the one where he did that with Rennie Harlan. Yeah, from Cl- who also did Cliffhanger, which is another one of my favorite Stallone movies. Yeah, that's that's him in the early nineties too. That's when he's on top though. But he does yeah. that race car movie, which I forget the name. It's called like Race or Speed or yeah. Race Car or whatever. Then he does one more, which which actually went straight to video here in the Americas, but overseas was released and did Gangbusters. Yeah. And then uh, he ends up in two thousand five or six. He ended up doing a reality show <laughs> for a second. It was kind of like a, a boxing reality yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And but I he did like Get Car. He did the remake of Get Car. Yeah, he which did. Was yeah, pretty cool, which was really right good on that time. And that made it into theaters. And he was doing little stuff. But I remember when he did that reality show, I met him, and it was really interesting at the time because he was on a show promoting it, uh, the, the 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 reality boxing show thing. And I walked into the green room, and he was there talking. And I said to him. Mr. Sloan, can, do you mind if I get a picture with you? And he was like, sure. And he never made eye contact with me the entire time. And I took a picture, and he looked great in the picture, and uh, I'll post it if I can find it here. And it almost looks like he's a cardboard cutout in it. <laughs> and at the time, I was thinking, well, that was really weird. I felt really embarrassed and bad to ask for a picture from him because, you know, he never made eye contact with me. He never touched me. He was kind of like, you know, uh, kind of removed from the situation. But then, you know, when you start thinking about these things and I've met Schwarzenegger several times where I work and it's the same kind of thing with him where you get to this guy's like pantheon of success where from let's say Rocky is what 1976 yeah from from 1976 until now that's what 40 years this guy can't go anywhere without people you know hounding him I talk about when I met Chuck Norris Chuck Norris's bodyguard I'm like, you know, why does Chuck Norris ne- still need a bodyguard now? You know, he's like, well, there's still people who want to try to, like, fight him on the street. You know, they want to still say, I'm the one who sucker punched Chuck Norris, or I'm the one who, you yeah, know, beat. Yeah. So you have all these <clears throat> nuts you meet. So, of course, you know, anywhere Stallone goes, people are going to be wanting a picture with him, to talk to him, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know. So it, I guess it does get kind of, you, 
you, at first you're kind of like, oh, what the fuck? You can't have time. To, <laughs> but it's like, well, you think yeah, about the you're guy. You're the 40, 40th person today, dude. Yeah, just today. You know, <laughs> I mean, and, and it gets kind of like you, know, you can't even go out for a, 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 you know, a carton of milk without five people wanting to take pictures with you. You know, you know? Yeah, and yeah. when you're superstars like a Stallone, like a Schwarzenegger, I mean, you know, anywhere you go, people are going to stop you in any country. You can go to Japan. You can go to wherever. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it gets kind of hard where. You know, they just want to be left alone sometimes. But he was really friendly. You know, he was he was nice to everybody. I'm not in any way saying he's a dick, but he was just kind of like res- reserved to himself. But he was yeah. really, it was a really nice guy. And it's surprising, like I said, you know, when you meet these people, oh, he's not as tall as I thought he was. No, no, he's about my you know? height. Like you're, you're sure about my height? So yeah, he's probably around our height. And it, and and I think he even <laughs> had like like maybe Cuban heels on. He maybe had slight lifts in his shoes yeah. too. And then like same thing with Schwarzenegger. When I met Schwarzenegger, he's not very tall, but he's he's he looks like a gorilla, like his hands, yeah, like yeah. a gorilla's hand, you know. But it's like they're not you, you look at them you think they're going to be six five six six but they're not very tall people so uh so yeah he had this slump and everyone's like you know they weren't saying he was finished but he was kind of like you know what's he going to do and then again going to how brilliant S- stallone is he ends up writing rambo four and he ri- ends up writing rocky balboa and those are two franchises where if you t- Asked me well, when they were talking about when they like, were that's like he's going to do it. Everybody's like, oh Jesus, you know. Look at Rocky Five. Look <laughs> at Rambo Three. There's no way, you know. But he had a stroke of genius where he, uh, you know, I do air quotes. It got accidentally leaked that red band trailer for Rocky oh. uh, for Rambo Four, and that people were like, what? The <laughs> Fuck. I know, and I was never more excited for anything in my entire life. I mean, I, the, after I saw that fucking trailer, I had, yeah, where I they, thought, it was edited like he punched some dude's head off his body. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it was um, he 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 like he stabs a guy and pulls the entrails out, and knocks him. He takes a fifty count. He destroys a guy point blank range with a fifty count. It was one of the best trailers I'd ever seen. And there are a lot of people I know, and I and you know I know a lot of people, me included, that feel that Rocky Balboa is like among the best of the series. Yeah, that that's a that's a really good that's but, sad. Like and Dave kinda... who I brought up earlier who we went to visit in North Carolina, that's his favorite movie of the entire series. Yeah. Um and uh the first one is mine, but I was just talking to somebody uh who writes for F this movie, uh kind of a friendly podcast, uh friends a podcast that's friends with our pod, you know, friends of ours. Uh, he was he and I were discussing on Twitter uh, Creed, because he actually just wrote something on F this movie about Creed, and he and I were talking. His two favorite movies of the series are Rocky Balboa and Creed. I just watched Creed maybe what four months, and Jesus, I mean that's just the. It's I a, was just why it's on all the time. Yeah, because I watched it every time it's on. And it's I not was, one. I, wrote, I watched but. it for like ten minutes. Just I had to turn it off because I was crying. Yeah, all, it's just, already. <laughs> it just gets so. It, yeah, when you get older, you just don't. It's just oh my god. <laughs> I was like, I watched it for ten minutes right in the middle of the movie. I was like, I'm already fucking crying. I can't do this today yeah so i mean i mean he he really came back with those movies yeah i mean i myself uh, you know i i could take or leave the expendable movies personally yeah but i think i think he could have did a little better with what he with those movies i've never seen them full disclosure yeah but from what i've heard it's like they could have been better than they ended up being but yeah, that's kind of how I feel. There's a lot of they're potential. like cannibal run movies, right? They just get everybody together, like you know, <laughs> yeah, and that's basically. which I think, which, I'm which is a shame into. because he's coming at that point when the first one comes out, he's coming off of Rocky Balboa and and that Rambo movie, uh, which are two really fucking good movies. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that you could certainly are if if you were going to say okay, r- r- the first Rocky and First Blood are the best of the series, you you could definitely present an argument that those 
two movies, that fourth Rocky and fourth Rambo movie and Rocky Balboa are the second best movies in the series. Sure. There's certainly an argument to be made there. And there was such a buildup for that first Expendables because you're like, oh my God, it's the entire phone books in that movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and then they, what was it? Schwarzenegger's in that as well. Yeah. So and that was they, like the and first they time. they did that like Escape from Jail movie. Yeah, which together. I actually really enjoyed. <laughs> I like that one you too. Know, and there's a sequel <laughs> to that coming out. I actually really enjoyed too the other one that he just did recently with the guy who's now playing um, Aquaman. Remember that one where he plays the bat? Well, at the end, they have an axe fight. Yeah, you don't get bullet in the head. Or yes, something bullet like in the that. head. You don't get freaking movies with axe been. fights. That was somebody directed that. That might have been like a um, that like might a have Luke been Besson or like a well, foreign director. Yeah, or like maybe Rennie Harlan again, or uh, somebody who knows their shit. That might have been the guy that we were just talking about. I don't remember what podcast, but the guy that did Highlander. Might have been that guy. I can't think of his name. Yeah, I'm an Australian. But I really enjoyed that movie. That was really cool. Yeah, I like that movie. That whole end sequence where they have an axe fight in like a factory that's on fire. I thought was brilliant. Um, So yeah, he's really come back and rebounded rebounded himself uh, in a way that like say Schwarzenegger really hasn't been able to after getting out of politics. People like that Maggie movie, which I didn't see, which is like a zombie. But a lot of people they they didn't like the sabotage movie and then the other one where he's the sheriff in the town a lot of people didn't think that yeah. it was they looked great until you saw like what the hell's going on here i've seen almost all of those <laughs> yeah i haven't seen any of them <laughs> i like yet. them just fine um i, I do want to get to them at some point um so it's like it's amazing how he's been able to stallone's been able to keep it going he's 70 now and yeah having well, all he's, that. A, he's a smart he's savvy he's a smart filmmaker yeah um as well as a smart uh businessman but he's a he's a smart actor he's a smart director and he's a smart writer so i mean he's really kind of a you know triple threat in terms of the entertainment business yeah he's an auteur which is it's the only way to go a lot of times with that like i know a lot of people i forget who the person was maybe it was schwarzenegger but they were talking to eastwood and that's what eastwood says like as soon as you're able maybe it was uh who who was an american sniper who played chris kyle in american sniper yeah he was talking to eastwood about it and eastwood says soon when you get comfortable, you're going to get bored of acting, and that's when you should move on. Start doing other things. Yeah, get behind yeah. the camera. Do it for free as much as you can, yeah. because that's what you're going to want to do. Well, Robert Rodriguez has that show on his channel, the El Rey, with the director's chair. Yeah. And um, it's a great show, and the first episode he did was John Carpenter, but he did a Stallone episode where oh, he just wow. talked to Stallone about directing, being a writer or director. Um, and when you when you watch that show in that context, you're like holy fuck, like he directed, I mean, directed like you know most of the Rocky movies, yeah. wrote all the Rocky movies, you know, direct. He was a hell of a he's a hell of a filmmaker. And he's shitting out scripts like nobody's business, you know, having these or that, you know. And I had read somewhere, I don't know if it's true, but he had written like fifteen scripts prior to Rocky. Like he was just trying to get something yeah. done, you know. I mean, I, I can completely identify with that, and he ended up getting Rocky done so you know that's that was his idea was writing himself into the business which is really interesting um i guess we're wrapping up here we were talking about the truck in the in the original truck he was driving the uh 1967 auto car model uh a64 they used three trucks in the movie uh which they had purchased from a local logging company and um you know, one was used for the exterior driving scenes, one was used for the interior driving scenes, and the third was used for the stunt driving scenes and the trucks knocking into things and knocking over fountains yeah. and stuff. So we talked about our friend Brad before, who's a trucker. He actually sent us photos of one of the trucks has been discovered. He had met a guy who had purchased the truck, one of them, uh, in 2010 and was planning to, um, to, to uh, restore it. 
and uh, we'll post the photos. There's about five of them on our Facebook page, or not our Facebook page, on our website, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. And what's interesting about it is uh, the truck had much have been purchased from Canon because the truck went on to be in The Wizard, which I think is the only wizard we know is the uh, one we just, the Fred Savage movie we yeah, brought up. Yeah, I would imagine so. And also was ended up used in Messenger of Death, which is a Charles Bronson movie. And then it was used in a post-apocalyptic movie and I think it was in Tank Girl, too. So if you look at these pictures of the truck, um, the front end the, the, where the hood is, it's a little different because it must have been from the post-apocalyptic movie. But the side of it still has Hawk Hauling on it. And then when you look at the inside, it still has on the roof of it the, the contraption kind of that Stallone was using to, 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 to work his arm out. So you can tell it's the actual truck. And this guy is going to hopefully one day restore it because it'd be sweet to have this auto car restored. But they're pretty. It's pretty sweet to see where these trucks. This truck ended up. One of the three. Who knows where the other two went? So again, thanks to Brad for sharing these these bad boys. He sent this to me like last year. I was yeah. like, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, we were looking. I think he might have sent it to us through the site. Or yeah, something. and I was like, like holy, this is so awesome in the five pictures you could see. So that it's cool to think that then it went on to this truck has had a uh, you know a journey and other other um, other uh, uh, movies as well. I. I I'm sure some people may know, but there is a uh, IMDb out there for for vehicles, and it's called IMCDB, and it's like it has um, cars. It's Internet Movie Cars database, and it has all kind of cars and trucks. So you can actually go to imcdb.org, and you can look up stuff. So you might be able to find – I haven't done extensive research on it, but you could probably find your favorite car or truck in a movie, and you might be able to see where it's ended up in other movies. But we'll post these pictures of the um, – Auto car, the truck Stallone drives from 2010 because it's really interesting to see what it looks like now, and hopefully the guy one day will restore it. Um, and we talked about last t- last point, the toys for the movie uh, by Luco, uh, L-E-W-C-O, toys. I had never heard of the company. We looked, and the only thing that it did aside from these were like Gumby we saw. <laughs> yeah, that's as far as we could find. Yeah, Gumby toys. But again, if you look at these, they, they, they designed maybe like six figures and they uh, and they had actually designed one of that girl, the woman Lori, who we had talked about. Lori Cole. Um, but then they were like, "There's no oh, market." Yeah, so. like nobody's going to buy a female if, figure yeah, for this. Sad, but they they also but they did it off of um, Bull Hurley. What's his face in the movie? Yeah. They did it off of maybe Clive Dean, and then they did it off of maybe John um, uh, Breserk. Uh, yeah. So they actually modeled them off of all the people, and then they so then they had a Stallone guy, and then. They sold like a little table so you can have it's almost like uh, I don't know if it's like the robots, the punch sock them and pop yeah. them, but you get them Looks on the like table. There's a switch on their back, that yeah. Maybe, maybe once you, you plug them in, they can maybe I don't know if they're flipping arms, but it's, <laughs> you know, maybe we might have to get them off of eBay and see if we can. That's what we should have did for this cast, a little extra. Had us, you know, playing a video, them. yeah, of us doing them, you know. And then lastly, we looked, um, the original truck from the movie that the the Volvo truck that was that the real guy won and sold that's in the movie, that's for sale and they the guy only wants twenty two five for it um, twenty two thousand somewhere and it's and it has the original paint job except that it added like in the the extended sleeper it says like over the top but then also for sale is the original fiberglass. Uh, table that they use because they didn't use fiberglass tables in the original in the real Ple- tournament plexiglass plexiglass uh, but they used for I guess to make it more cinematic they used a plexiglass table for the final bout because if you look at Stallone when he's doing all the other stuff he's actually using real t- 
tables. But when they get to the final match that staged, Stallone is using the fiber, the plexiglass table, and they want thirty five thousand for that bad boy. So they yeah. want it more than the freaking truck. Yeah, we were going to try to buy that. Yeah, but, but no, no in. bank would let us take a loan out on that. <laughs> Dion's lefty, I'm righty. Yeah. Wouldn't, that's wouldn't. another thing I was thinking through the course of the movie. I'm a lefty. Do I have to? And Stallone's lefty too. Do I have to learn how to? I have to learn how to go righty, I guess, for all this shit. Guess, unless there's a lefty class. <laughs> there's only three guys. There. <laughs> there's three guys. Uh, it, yeah. In the lefty category. Yeah. Dion. So uh, that's all we got here. The movie comes out, and I don't know how it's regarded in the, in, in the, you know, the, the fodder or the canon of Stallone, no pun intended. Well, the, f- the only thing I could, I could find in terms of, uh, and thanks for reminding me, I did find that there was a reader's poll for rollingstone.com. Uh, I don't remember when it was from, but uh, apparently they did a RollingStone.com did a did a readers poll of the ten best Stallone movies, or I guess fan favorite, you know, reader favorites. Ten Stallone movies came in at number four out of, out of ten out of ten. And so what's, what's it was, three, it was two, Rocky. One, you know? Rocky was number one, First Blood number two, Copland number three, and then Over the Top. <laughs> well, I think deler- deservingly so. I mean, going back and actually watching this movie and not having seen it since 87 or 88, I was pleasantly surprised. Not only was I pleasantly surprised, this might now be further viewing for me because, you know, I it brought so many memories. And I'm like, this. it's not one of those movies where, like, I'm glad I rewatched it, but who knows when I'll rewatch it again. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is one where I think, yeah, you know, I want to show the wife. Oh, I wanna, it's you totally know, watchable. You know? You know, it was such a today... Uh, when we watched it, it was such like a gloomy, rainy day. Yeah, uh, on the Saturday that we watched this, and it, it's like even though we ended up watching it late at night, I was thinking this is like a perfect like Saturday rainy afternoon movie. Yeah, and then <laughs> to watch. What, what Blake and I were going to do is we we're going to buy New York and blaster shirts so we can wear, <laughs> you know, the New York. He can wear the New York shirt. I'll wear the blaster shirt, and then that's like one year we're going to do Nighthawks. We're going to dress up where I'm Billy D with the Superman shirt and you're Stallone from Nighthawks. And then the next year we're going to do Smoking the Bandit where he's the bandit and I'm the snowman. And then this year we're going to do, uh, I don't know if anybody will get this, but I'm wearing Blaster and you're wearing New York shirts and with the hat. I did know. I did order the hat, but it didn't come by the time we recorded it. Yeah, because you were going to wear the hat the entire time. Yeah. And you would have flipped it around when I we started flip it around podcasting. We started. And then when you're done, you turn it back. By the time this actually gets posted, though, I might have it. So, so then maybe we'll maybe we take will a picture a, of you with the hat. We will have a picture of it, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, so um, sleepover stars. I'd give it four buckets of pizza. Yeah, a lot of pizza. At a at a five. Yeah. Um, only because in comparison, in comparing it to other things that are so sleepover, uh, this is up there. But I, don't, I feel like there are other ones that are even more so. So that's why I can't give it a full five. Yeah, I'd give it a solid four. Yeah, um, I think for nostalgia for me, um, you know, this is four out of five. And then the movie is a solid 3.5, four out of five. I mean, this is, it holds up. It's good. I mean, yeah, you know. It's, it's good, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate hearing all these things like it's bad. It's so bad. It's good. It's like, yeah. No, it's just, it's good. Yeah. It's not flawless. No, but it's, and it has it's, that it does have that like that mid eighties canon sheen. It's, it's to good it. for Stallone at the time, and it's good for Canon at the time. Yeah, you know what else? I mean, but this could be the movie. 
if you go watch that Electric Boogaloo, this could be the movie that really pushed them over the edge. How much money they dumped into this and didn't recoup anything. Yeah, you know, so that's sad. But I mean, it's I think it's a great movie, and I think because of the uniqueness of what it's about and, Electric and all Boogaloo that. Electric Boogaloo is that documentary uh, that we mentioned Cannon. in previous uh, yeah, podcasts, which is about. was streaming on Netflix at the time. You can watch it for free there. But the classic. This is the kind of the this is even though it's not officially summer, I feel like this is our roll in. Or this is our summer kind of our. You I know. mean, technically, I, you could even argue the Fifth Element, but now it's like we're going to hit in June. We're going to, you yeah. know, we're getting this baby up into gear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going to have a lot of stuff coming out this year. A lot of a lot rolling, of rolling, rolling, rolling. End so, of school. This is our end of school podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were going to do uh, <laughs> was it Weekend at Bernie's too or something the other year. We did this. Um, so check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on our real site, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Uh, you probably know where to get the podcast by now since you're listening. Um, you know, uh, tell a friend, like us, share us. Yeah, um, please uh, rate and review us on yeah. iTunes and such. That's actually helpful to us. And, um, yeah, and just keep keep an eye out and go to the the regular site. You can see we'll have extras, we'll have pictures. We'll have a link to that really fascinating article, the arm wrestling article that talks about this movie. We'll have a link to the pictures provided to us by Brad T. Thanks again. And, um, uh and if you get the hat in time, we'll put put a link to the hat up too. Nice. And we might even if we can find some other footage because there's there's footage from other documentaries of uh, the other qualifying competitions and as well as uh, other footage of the tournament at the time. So maybe we'll put some of that in if you want to check out the the real life arm wrestlers doing the tournament. You know, uh, maybe you'll see like Stallone and Brigitte Nielsen hanging out at the time. You know, Brigitte. So, so hey. Come back in two weeks because we're going to have a, uh, a barn burner coming up, and it's going to be really good, and uh, we have a great summer coming, so we hope you all like it as much as we think we're going to like it. <laughs> so. As much as we're anticipating. Yeah. Later. Sweepstakes. Win one of ten Brute Dodge 4x4s. Entries where Brute gift sets are sold.